in detox there when they dropped me off like i can't this is like what you see in movies like it was a trip just replaying my whole life how it led me here i'm like man the first weekend it was just the best time of my life i woke up and i just saw saw life totally clear i saw how blue the sky was green it was just it was an amazing emotional experience and yeah i stayed in rehab for 30 days uh i was so pumped and motivated i stayed there for another 90 days in in uh sober living and i just started my whole life over All right, all right, all right. How's everyone doing? Thank you so much for tuning in to Back to Your Story, a podcast about real people and real stories. Today, we had on the legendary Colin Scummy Morrison. Just an incredible dude. I mean, I remember growing up watching The Adventures of Twitch and Scummy. So to have him here uh, was really just mind-blowing to me. But not only was it just so cool to have him here. It was his honesty and rawness uh, that just makes me uh, appreciate sharing stories like his. You know, we've all been through shit, but the, what he has gone through through his life, um, it, people will be able to gravitate and understand and take a lot from this episode. So if you guys are going through shit, whatever it is, definitely reach out to him, reach out to myself. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we all go through stuff and it's just about having people there to assist you. You know, that's why I share these stories to try to bring on people that are relatable so that you guys can take little bits and pieces from it. Um, also, I want to really just kind of start promoting this a lot. Um, shoot me a text message, 661-276-8043. Once again, that's 661-276-8043. I'm going to send you guys something really cool. You guys are going to get access to podcasts before they come out, direct links, all this cool shit. We're going to do uh, giveaways on a monthly basis. So don't forget to shoot us a text message. Also, if you want to watch this podcast instead of listen to it, uh, head over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com backslash back to your story. Well, without further ado, here's the podcast. From the land of mystery, where dreams become reality, always listening to stories from the past, the present, and the future. This is back to your story. All right, man. So how we doing, bro? We're doing good. Finally, uh, finally here. Jeez. I feel like we talked about this for a long time. <laughs> Dude, we started talking, uh, what, November, December, something like that? Yeah. Has it been that long? Mm-hmm. I was in rehab. Yes, you were. Yeah. So that wouldn't have worked out. Yeah. <laughs> no. I think it all, it all worked out. I feel good now. So I'm, I'm glad I'm here. How you feeling though? Feeling good? I feel amazing. How's your foot? My foot, uh, hurts really bad to the point i don't know what i'm gonna do with it like it's probably the worst injury i've ever had jeez man. i've uh i've shattered this heel i had like two plates 10 screws but this is just man i dislocated while i was in rehab Ugh. we went to this event and uh i rode dirt bikes all day i went to this red bull course like huge jumps it used to be a red bull course they call wyvern like full huge jumps what i'm trying to say is i do this <laughs> on my dirt bike i go go super big kill it 
And then there's a little pit bike race that night. Little tiny bikes, right? Mm-hmm. And then I just went. I wasn't even going to ride. I just, me, Andy, Roy, all my buddies went. And then um, they had a jump off, a little contest over like three big jumps. And I, I don't really do that. I mean, mm-hmm. but I, it's small. Like, I got it. And I, <laughs> I, I knew I shouldn't have done it. And I've, when you have that in your head, that's when you just back mm-hmm. down, dude. Mm-hmm. I told all my friends, I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. We got to be back at eight <laughs> because there's a curfew. And it was getting late. I'm like, I just let's just go. And then they're like, oh, you got this. If you if you get through it, no one's here. You win 500 bucks. I'm like, eh. <laughs> I, I get on some guy's bike and I go off the first jump. And I over jump it so far uh, in front of everybody. Like people thought I was there expecting me to win. And then I did the biggest boner move. I went all the way to flat and I've never had an injury like that. When I landed, felt like my whole foot just blew off. Like I felt like I didn't even have a foot. I got up and my foot wasn't even on my leg, dude. It I'm looked sorry for no, it, dude. I just see his face. I was tripping, dude. Everyone, I, I almost went into shock because Ugh. I'm good with injuries like that. But when you see your foot, like not even in the right spot, I thought it was a compound fracture. I'm like, oh, just keep my sock on. Do they want to take <laughs> off my shoe and my sock? I'm like, no, I don't want to see it. It was heavy. It was the worst pain I've ever been in. And yeah, it's been like three months and it still just kills me, dude. Uh, I still have like a, a cankle. I have issues with people with cankles, especially like, women. <laughs> I, like I don't care how high you are, or how cool. If you got cankles, I'm done, dude. I got the biggest blown out cankle, dude. It's payback, bro. Pay, it's it is. I used to talk shit out loud on that. And, uh, you know, sorry for people that got cankles. I'm one of you know. And uh, <laughs> I'm one of you. <laughs> I'm one. I, I don't know what to do. So it's What's just, the, uh, But seriously, what are you going to do? Um, I don't know. I, you didn't go to the doctor? I did. Um, you know, what can you do? They popped it in. I got metal in that ankle. So I'm sure they said the metal's fine. So I don't have to get it taken out. But, uh, I mean, what are they going to say? Just heal up. I haven't really been slowing down at all. Yeah. Like, I'm sure if I just mellowed out, but I don't know. So, I figure I'm going to be hurt, you know, in pain when I get older anyways. I got a cool cane at home, so I'm trying to make that work. <laughs> You're already preparing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's cool. No. No, you got to get that shit fixed, bro. <laughs> you know, I know, but there's really nothing they can fix. It's like, it, it does a lot of damage when your whole foot gets d- dislocated and yeah. all the moving parts and everything. So I'm sure it'll Why just can't they just time. like, uh, like staple it back together. Dude, I like, wish <laughs> I was tripping because I was, I did this while I was in rehab Yeah, and when I crashed and I saw my foot, so many things went through my head and I'm like, dude, I'm in rehab. I got to go back on pain pills, all this shit. Like just, yeah. it was so heavy. And then I thought I was going to have to have surgery, which like the, the cost, it just would have been a nightmare. And then, um, they just popped it back in and they're like, no surgery, nothing. I got so lucky, but it's crazy how my life is, is that I truly feel this moment in my life when I got hurt was meant to happen because this is the first injury I've ever had without taking pain pills. And it was because I was in rehab to show me that I could do it, you know, to have like that guidance and like. You know, they, they, they would have let me take a couple as prescribed, of course, but I didn't. And that was the first, like I did that on my own. I'm like, dude, I, I'm not going to take pain pills. And it's crazy how like a lot, a lot, a lot of it's in your head. I was in pain, but I did it. I went through the whole thing without taking pain pills. You did. And it was like, now it shows me that my next injury, knock on wood, but when you ride, it will happen. Of course. I can get through that. And those are some of my biggest heroes, like Travis Pastrana, Matt Hoffman, those guys, every broken bone they don't take pain pills jesus in the past that was my excuse when i would get hurt game on like i can't wait now i can get 
pain pills from doctors. I got the green light because I'm hurt. Yeah. It was like, I would be so happy when I get hurt. I'm like, this is it. That's, that's <laughs> fucking crazy to think though, right? It's rad. It's just like, it, it, <laughs> it's but rad. it was a, it was a life lesson to show me that I could do it. And you know, I don't know if I would have maybe been that strong if I wasn't in rehab, it worked out. Yeah. I didn't see it at the time, but after my, holy shit, this was like, it was, I feel like it was meant to happen. Yeah. A lot of things in life are, you know, it's just kind of like in hindsight when we're going through it, we're just going through the motions, but when we can take the time to sit back and reflect it, it, it becomes a lot bigger. A hundred percent. I tell people that my darkest days always turn out to be the best. And that's e- it. Even the shit I'm going through right yeah. now. Like, I don't know if we want to get into it, but on paper, my life is all jacked up on paper, but it's, all going to a better life and like it's making me so much stronger and i know that in a couple years i'll look back and be like yeah to go through some shit but look how happy i am but yeah it's hard to see that sometimes when you're in the thick of it yeah even going going to rehab dude 100 percent. going down there me and russ talk about a lot like i remember just in tears not like crying like a baby but like just like no hope for life when i was driving down to rehab like the first time, whatever, but the second time when I just got out like a month before or two months and I'm going back, like just no hope for life. So depressed. Don't want to talk to anybody. Don't you want to like be on earth and then leaving being the happiest person looking back and like all the things I learned the second time I went, yeah. you know, it's uh it was amazing, but it just, you don't see it at no, the time. No, you know? no, I, 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 absolutely, man. I mean, whenever we're going through the shit, right. We're just, we're, we're going through it, but I, I you, you asked, businessmen you ask you know people have gone through addiction go through whatever right what are the the biggest things that they like what what moments in their life have they taken the most from right you ask businessmen it's fucking failures you ask people fucking with addiction it's their fucking you know what blew up in their face right but they learn from these situations and i think more people need to start looking at the negative isn't always negative because there's a lot of positive uh, does that make sense? Oh, right. 100%. You know, so it, but it's being able to open up your eyes enough to be able to see that, you know, yeah, this moment sucks, but it's temporary. Exactly. Right. We do control our, hopefully our own destiny with our own life. Right. And so, yeah, going through the shit sometimes sucks, but if you can see that future, if you can envision it and you can continue to push through, that's where the biggest gains will always come from. And the biggest thing is like how to process that. Like you yeah. can, go through those shitty times. And if you don't like look back and learn from those to like not do it or like to fix those problems, if you keep repeating the same thing, you know what I mean? Yes. That's the definition of insanity. It is. And that's like the biggest Uh thing. How, what do you take from it? Right. You know, you know, you know, you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, right? Yeah. I'm going to hit my head against this wall 50 million times. It's going to be the same end result every single fucking time. But we as human beings do that. Right. Um, you know, I want to dive deep, bro. Like, Colin, where does your story start? Like, the the what is like some of the earliest memories of your life? Where does that begin? Um, just like as a kid, trying to figure out like who I am. I wasn't like I grew up in a really perfect home. My parents, uh, great family, suburban in Moore Park, California. You know, they never drank, they never smoked. I don't have that childhood. You know, I had, I had a great childhood. They got divorced, which like, it kind of messed me up. I was like, eight, but not bad dude, because my mom was still a great mom. Now I got two Christmases, you know, like I, I'm, I know I'm lucky because I know a lot of people have it rough, 
And I, I, I know how lucky I am. And that's like, I trip how I turned into the dude I was like, well, geez, I had it so good. And then when my parents got divorced, that's when oh, I just didn't know basketball or not basketball, baseball, uh, you know, soccer, just trying to figure out what am I here on life? What, what made me click? What made me want to yeah. have fun? Um, and then my dad took me, this is when my parents got divorced. So me and my dad really linked up you know just like doing stuff every weekend and it was always so much fun hanging out with them but uh we went to a mickey thompson off-road truck race at anaheim stadium okay yeah uh, just off-road trucks but during intermission they had a dirt bike race and it wasn't really like a full supercross track because the dirt bike track was on like an off-road track so mellow jumps but that was the first time i saw a two-stroke and like guys jumping in the air the smoke the smell I couldn't believe it. That was the first day of the rest of my life. Every single day after that, I would just bug my dad. I'd get dirt bike magazines, cut up pictures, put them in every single drawer. Like, I mean, I literally, that's, I would cry every night. It's just, I want a dirt bike so, so bad. Wow. Um, couldn't get a dirt bike. We didn't have a lot of money, but it was uh, maybe baby steps. We got into BMX racing. Okay. I fell in love with BMX, but I was always a guy on the BMX track. People would clown me because I would have like, I'd wear a chest protector. And back in the day, you wouldn't wear like full face helmets. I'd wear a motocross helmet, you know, like trying to be, I thought I would pretend I was on a dirt bike out there. No way. Yeah. I mean, you know, not pretend, but I just, yeah, the whole yeah. process of BMX was to get a dirt bike. So like out there, you know, it's kind of like motocross, same type of track, sure. no, no motor. And then, yeah, um, I did that for a couple of years. It was cool. And, uh, I think I was in, I don't know, fourth grade, fifth, I was 12. My dad, uh, the loudspeaker called me out calling come to the the office you're you got your dad's here to dentist appointment whatever and then my dad picked me up i didn't know i had a dentist appointment he's like yeah we got to go home really quick and he opened the garage and this was the best day of my life he opened the garage and there was a dirt bike there dude an 85 yz80 and it was like the best day of my life i'll never oh forget that God. day as a kid like your first dirt bike and how in love i was and that was it dude i mean 12 years old um and we were off to the races. I would just, that was all I would, my, when my dad would go to work, I would gear up and just sit on my dirt bike on the grass and just sit there for hours, dude. Like I was just, it was everything. Oh it was fucking gosh. everything, dude. And then, yeah, it's, uh, started going to the track, started racing. I was never that good at racing, man. It was, uh, you know, my dad never, he grew up riding dirt bikes, but it's not like we had a motocross family. So we were trying to figure out everything together uh but very supportive man because i mean so supportive <laughs> called you out of school <clears throat> to surprise you with a dirt bike yeah and my mom was a little mad you know just how damn i'm sure most moms are like that you know it's dangerous dangerous but For yeah sure. that, that's kind of how it is and it was just like me and my dad every weekend go to the races 80 beginner 80 novice and i got a big bike on 125 then my dad got a dirt bike and we started racing together so it was just a really good father and son time dude and then he broke his leg like he should have been an old timer racing the old timer class he didn't know that there was an old timer class so he raced 125 beginner with like all these young guys it okay. was classic looking back <laughs> at it and then yeah he broke his leg and then uh he he sold his bike and then yeah it was all it was all me but, but was it easy for you like like um, you said because racing was hard it, it wasn't hard it just i i don't think it was my thing because i remember okay. like when i got a big bike and I started to figure out the jumps. That's when it turned into like, I would start doing these tricks, like no footers, like point at the crowd, point at my dad, you know? And like, I would do all these like really basic tricks, but at the time freestyle motocross wasn't a thing. There were no tricks. And then I got really, really kind of good at doing these jumps. 
just at the track. I would just go to the track and just find like the biggest jump, cut the track, and just hit that jump over and over. And my dad was no so supportive, way. dude. Like video. And there's no, like I said, there's no freestyle, but my dad was so supportive. He didn't care. I just That's wanted so to see cool. me have fun. And then um Yeah, I started doing that. And then like some tracks they'd have like big races, national anthems, and I, I would kind of get known for being this kid that just doing jumps. So then I would like they'd call me over and hey, when during the national anthem, you want to do the the finish line jump and like do a little trick. So I'd start doing that. And then, uh, yeah, then Krusty Demons of Dirt. Yeah. This is the first, you know, motocross back in the day. It was very cookie cutter. Like, dudes tuck their shirts in, thanks their sponsors, thumbs up. Just totally, like, uh, how, do you, how do you even it's say like it? White suburban. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was just, kind of corny uh, back corny. Krusty Demons of Dirt, uh, it started from a snowboard company, yeah. a snowboard uh, filming. And they came out with dirt bikes, and it was all partying, drugs, sex, tattoos rock and roll lifestyle, rock, rock and roll i saw that movie i'm like oh my god dude that's what i wanted to do it was like that there's a couple of pinnacle mo moments that changed my life it was like the day i got my bike and the day i saw crusty demons of dirt Jeez, and then moto triple x came out and then it was just a lifestyle because it, that's what i want to do it's like it, it was just about having fun on your bike going big and for me just showing off dude and then uh yeah and then i would still be that guy i would still go to do races but this time I didn't care. I'd like be in like dead last, but I didn't care because I would just find the biggest jump where, where the people were and yeah. just like do tricks. And like people would kind of know me for that. And then Seth Enslow, the, the star of crusty demons of dirt. He was my hero, dude. Like I wanted to change my name to Seth. It was everything. I'd like have like Enslow in the back of my Jersey. He was a God to me. How like, old were you at this time? I was like 15. Maybe he was like literally God. Was there any, did you have friends that were doing this too? Or were you nobody, like everybody, like all my, we had like a BMX crew, you know, but all my buddies that, and all my racing buddies, they would almost kind of clown me because I'd have like baggy pants and like, remember there's no freestyle so it was just yeah. like what are you doing you know because it's you're supposed to go to the track eat right train go to the the next big race and do good and i'm like fuck that dude i'm just like having fun on my dirt bike jumping yes, yes. but i remember their parents they like they would get mad at their kids for hanging out with me because they thought i was a bad influence i wasn't doing drugs or anything it was just like yeah. what's this guy doing you know it's funny now looking back at it it's now so like crazy. i'm the only dude that made it and they're yeah. like you know it's like <laughs> You know, it's, it's funny. I just followed my heart and followed my, and it, it, yes. it, everything worked out. Like you couldn't even plan it. I got just really lucky. I think really timing. Did you get lucky? Is I think luck? just, just timing maybe, but I don't know, you know, doing all those little things. My dad support me for just doing jumps at the track, you know? And then all that turned into, we went to star West. Uh, there, it's a big motocross track. And I was doing the same thing there. They have a really big jump there. And I remember we would go there just so I can hit this jump. No and my way, dad was like dude. standing right by the jump. But dude, all of a sudden, Seth Enslow shows up with all the crusty guys filming Seth, dude. Like this is straight up such a big deal for me. I couldn't believe it. And wow. then they saw me jumping. And then Seth came up to me. He's like, hey, what gear? Like hit me. I was, And I tell Seth, he's my good friend now, which is, it's really cool. And he knows his story because we bring it up all the time. And then um, him and me are jumping. They're filming me with Krusty. Then they invite me to go film with Krusty Demons of Dirt. And at a, at a kid. Are you serious? 16 years old. That was the biggest thing for me. And I remember that was it. My dad didn't go on that that film trip um it was too gnarly but my other family friend took me 
I saw things I didn't even know. Like, I, <laughs> dude, I saw things. Like, I, I saw my first booby. I yes. saw, like, people taking, like, these things called bongos. <laughs> yeah. you know? I, was, I was just a little kid, like, from Morpar, like, just, just <sighs> brought into this. And then, like, a year later, they had the very first organized freestyle motocross contest, 1998, Costa Mesa. And um, I was the only rookie there. I was the only, like, kid because there was no freestyle motocross. So they were just picking dudes like all the stars, like Mike Sinkmars, Carrie Hart, Tommy Clowers, Clifford Autumn Tante, the Flying Hawaiian, like all these guys I, I would see for years in movies. And then it was me. Oh my I was like God. the only rookie, dude. But it was rad. That got my name in. And then like after that contest, freestyle motocross blew up. Yeah. And then it was just every week. And that's like in fast forward in this whole story, like that's how I got into freestyle. It was it was rad, but back in the day, it was you had to be somebody, and but there were no, there was nobody else. Once again, though, it it doesn't sound like that was luck, bro. It sounds like it was consistent hard work it, and support, though. Support, right? So maybe you got lucky for having badass parents. You know, that's what I can consider luck. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then, you know, when I would these jumps, I was doing like I would do stuff. Not a lot of other guys were doing. Exactly. You know, even at freestyle at sixteen, stepping up like the first wood ramp, all these jumps. I I did not care, dude. Like my first Moto Triple X film trip, my dad took me at like I think I was fifteen, um, and we were tripping because Moto Triple X invited me to come out to film. And this is huge, dude. And my dad and me didn't know what to do because I was riding a 125. So he bought me a 250 just so I could like step up because everybody was riding 250s. Are we, you got, we got a 250 the day before. Wow. Never even rode a 250. And at, at like 15, 16, it's a big bike. You know, at the time it was the biggest bike you can get pretty much. And we show up. I didn't know where we were going. They just gave us an address and we went to Mike Sinkmar's house. And this is like the Michael Jordan of moto back in the day for a free ride his course was so gnarly and i show up and then travis pastrana is there <laughs> seth enzalo um and then me and i dude i did all the jumps and i never rode a 250 i warmed the bike up and just went for everything and it's in there's a couple shots to me in the first moto triple x and i'm like kind of bonered out like not, not the best style but like dude it, it's crazy you were young dude young and, you and never the- rode that bike and ride in front of a strong it was cool but yeah i never backed down there was never one jump i didn't do you know like i did everything so and then yeah so i just slowly got better uh more freestyle shows and then i was in you know fast forward um Hold on before we yeah, fast yeah, yeah, forward. Hold, yeah, on, yeah. Hold, on, hold on all right so when you did that right uh you got the 250 how old were you i was like 15 i believe so you're 15 years old, right? All of these things are starting to happen. My dream. These are my dreams. Like dude. most people don't get to live any of their dreams until they're older and never at all, right? Yeah. So you're 15 years old, dreaming about this since you've been what, eight to nine, ten? Yeah. Like, what probably, was that? When did you watch? I got my first dirt bike at 12, so probably like maybe 10, you know? So 10 years old, five years. That's a long time. That's yeah. one third of your, you know, that's that's what? Yeah. So five years, one third of your life, um, you're starting to live and see your dreams. What, what did your parents think? What did your dad think? Like my dad was just always proud of me always. And my mom, she didn't really love my mom. We have the best relationship, but I don't think she got it because she wasn't there. Like with, uh, watch me watch crusty demons dirt all, all day going to the first race. She didn't, 
she saw the love, but I just think she was uh, really scared. And I think maybe with a divorce, seeing like my dad trying to like maybe take me to like I don't know. It, it was just it was weird. You know, it was a lot. I got to talk to my mom about this. I don't know. You should. Because it was a lot. You know, I don't know if it was like she was like jealous because my dad was trying to do stuff to make her mad. But my dad's always been supportive. Until right now, me and my dad talk every single day through everything. He's like my best friend. So he's just always supportive. My mom was supportive, but she was just so scared of me it's getting different hurt. Different levels, man. Different levels. But 100%. Yeah, yeah. But to have very supportive parents, right? Even though your mom was scared, right? Um but you're having a very supportive dad throughout yeah, this entire yeah. experience, man. That's, I mean, that's, that is a beautiful fucking thing. It is dude. dude. And I, I know a lot of people and I just like, there's nothing I can, I just, I'm blessed. I got lucky, very lucky, you know? And, uh, it hurts me. Some of the stuff I've done down the road, but yeah, I, I had a very yeah. good childhood. You know, I really did. And I look back and I hope if I have kids, I can give them that childhood, you know, like I, I think, doing that, that raised me to be like loving to a lot of people, just seeing how they treated me. So I, it's crazy when you're young, like it's uh you get a lot, you yeah. like learn who you, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. It is. It is. I mean, growing up just the, the whole experience, especially being at that age and being in the lifestyle that, that, that you were starting to, to be in. Right. I mean, that's, that's crazy, dude. You know, <clears throat> being 16 years old, going through all of that, seeing all of that, um, even though like I went through similar shit, seeing crazy stuff, like I see kids now, man. And like, like my wife's younger siblings and things like that. And just, and growing up a little bit faster, right. It just yeah. sounds like, you know, you, you kind of did the same thing. Um, it was just a good childhood, dude. I think like kids now are like hundred percent pussies, dude. Like most of them, <laughs> you know, like just what not, I'm not calling them. I'm just like technology. I remember every day, like when I was a, a young kid, it like went to go pick tadpoles, go to the pond. Then we would just build jumps, get dirty all day long, go drink water out of people's hoses, you know, like just ride bicycles from the, till the sun came up till the sun went down dude but i also think that's because we didn't have computers like we they, didn't we, no like we that's what now. i'm saying it's not the kids it's the technology exactly. and that's what i meant that's what you said yeah. and it, it is it it just ruins you you know like it does you learn so much getting hurt getting banged up going you on do. Like, it's so important to it be able is. to like, getting dirty well we're blessed because we got both sides right like yeah. how old are you I'm 38. So you're 38. You're just a few years older than me. And it's like, we grew up without technology. Like there was technology, right? But there like was. The, what we're talking about today's standards, 100%. right? Grew up without it. And then we grew up with it, right? So we are at that kind of like that paradigm shift where it's like kids today are grown up in the thick of fucking technology. And I feel bad for them. And I don't mean to call them out, but no, it's just like I'm, they, yeah, because I'm addicted to technology yeah. on my phone all the time, dude. It's not you their know? fault, man. It's not their fault. And it just, it, it sucks. It takes away from a really, it, I feel lucky like our age, you know, I yeah. remember I got my first fucking pager, you know, yeah. like I remember putting quarters in a, yeah. in a pay phone, you know, yeah, absolutely. my first game boy, you know, it was just seeing all that. It's cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a different experience. I, I was watching this uh, like YouTube video or whatever, and they put some like, I don't know, they're like 14, 15 year olds into a room with a rotary phone, right? Turn <laughs> yeah, it, right? Yes. And they put them in there for like 30 minutes or an hour, right? They couldn't figure out how to use it. <laughs> they literally couldn't figure out how to use it, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay, that might be outdated, archaic technology, right? But it is that uh, 
and just that ability to kind of think outside of the box, right? Where 100%. technology really kind of just brings everything to you. You know, yeah. it's delivered on a fucking nice, beautiful piece of paper. And, um, you know, <clears throat> so being able to grow up without it allows us to think outside of the box, right? Yeah. And I think about it, like we've talked about this before. I'm very intrigued and I love like World War II, the 1940s yeah. when life was simple. Can you imagine our grandparents? Dude. Like what they went, like we're Dude. talking about like when the first Game Boy and having a paper, <laughs> like what they went through, seeing like the first airplane, the car, like all this stuff. And they got to like just trip on the generation today. Rocket to, going to the moon. You yeah. Know? Like so fucking crazy, right? And that's like a great way to look at it. It's like, yeah. They probably think the same thing, right? Or they thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. And every generation does that. Yeah, 100%. But there is something to say that, you know, although like we grew up with technology, right? It's just different now. And it it's, is. And, and I like what you said, though, because a lot of people go in on the kids. You didn't. You said it's the technology. And so I think that's, for me, what stood out the most because I'm always like a big proponent. Like, no, it's not the fucking kid's fault, dude. It's not. It's just it's it given really to isn't. them. It really isn't. And I, I still realize how great it is to go ride my mountain bike to go. So maybe it came from the past because, like yeah. I said, I'm addicted. You yeah. know, like all the cool new video games. Yeah, like just, 100%. You, just, you got a computer on your on, in your pocket yeah. that can do everything yeah. dude and yeah. it's just it there's good it's good and bad you of know course. all the people i mean i do all my business everything for you know yes how, like everybody Absolutely. knows what's up it's dude just, it's it's it, i always talk about this is like we're first generation cyborgs right yeah. you can't leave the fucking house without this right? no this is literally a piece of us 100 percent. Right? and so the the only difference is that we don't have it fully attached to our bodies yet yeah. right uh give it another 10 20 years it's right. <laughs> gonna be happening right? it will um, but all right, let's bring it back to your story, right? Um, so right, you're 15, 16 years old. You uh, you you do the it wasn't Krusty Demons. What was it? Triple X, right? You yeah, just Triple X, and you know the first X Games. Uh, I missed the first X Games in uh, I think '98. I did X Games 1999. Jesus man, San Francisco, like the second one for motocross. That got my name bigger. And like I said, it was just the same like 15 of us where we would do freestyle every single weekend in a different state, different country. And it just blew me up. You were, you were how old when this, like said 16, 16, 16. Oh, I did my X games. And then, uh, uh, 2000, they did the vans warp tour. I got a phone call and they, they needed a couple freestyle guys, Shut motor guys. They call up. me Bo Manley. I forgot the other two. So at age like 17, I think I was 17, 18. I was on, had we had our own tour bus two and a half months summer camp every single day jumping in front of fucking fifteen thousand people being on tour like every single day is a different show and in a you would just wake up and you're in a different venue and for two and a half months every single day i mean bad religion no effects pennywise ah. me personally give me, give me, if i remember d12 gwen stefani was on it like eminem blink 182 it was unreal so like that's when it really sparked off, dude. Because that's when I started to really kind of go for it. I'm talking not go for it, but you know, drink my first beer. This was right before Warp Tour. And then yeah. on Warp Tour, it's like that's all you did. Like you had to do go jump in front of people. People would trip. All the bands would trip. Like the bands that I look up to my whole life, they were tripping on us, like looking up to us, wanting to hang out with us. It was a trip. That's so crazy. And when all my other buddies, like I'd come home, and they're like going to high school parties, which is cool. But like I was on such a different level. Yeah. 
And it was so hard to turn that switch off, you know, like, but then yeah, warp tour, that was a big one getting wasted every night, smoking fucking weed all day, doing a little bit of booger sugar. Like they just kicked off, Literally. but it, it was the lifestyle. That's what you did. You know, it was like, it was just super rock star lifestyle, man. It, it was, but it's like, I wasn't a rock star, but when you're living that life and all these people, it's like, yeah, I felt like a fucking rock star. And I feel right. like we lived it. Like we didn't like, we lived it probably harder than most rock stars, dude. It was no, cool. Facts, man. I mean, you even look at the people that are surrounded, like with rock stars, like whatever, right. They live that rock star lifestyle and you being so young, dude, you, you, it's, it's really easy to get drawn in on that, man. I can only look at my own life, bro. Like, started smoking weed at 14 years old, you know, partying, eating mushrooms and taking ecstasy every fucking weekend, going to raves. I was 14, 15 years old, rolling balls, bro. The fuck that was, that's just bonkers. (laughs) It's the life that I was thrown into. It's a life that you were thrown yeah, into, right? We lived it up. Like, but I mean, you definitely, I mean, fucking dude, 17, 18 years old, traveling around uh, doing warp Tour. That's Yeah, that's, and, and no. we were like in wasted all night, jumping like huge, you know, doing doing our shows. And like what we did, it was pretty hardcore. Like it was on cement, you crashed. And this is like the first ramp to ramp demos, you know, jumping over the half pipe, coming back to the bus getting wasted smoking going out picking whatever chick you want bringing her in the bus dude like it was just it was <laughs> rock and fucking roll dude we had the best time of our, best time of my life Damn, straight up dude. and then the next year they had his back the year after that so i did it three years in a row and every year it just got better and i mean i i could really write a book about the shit because every single night it was a, the biggest party ever yeah. And you know, just so much shit went down. And then we did warp tour in Australia. It was just a really good time. Like I really I love that the whole it's such a family on warp tour. Yeah. And just all the bands, like you just become really good friends. I mean, it's like a straight family because you're on tour for two and a half months. Everyone has each other's back. It's just amazing. Like you go ride, then like, all right, bad religions on, then right after we'll go watch me first and they give me oh Pennywise, no effects. Like, I mean, just every you would just go Every night, every day, dude, it was unreal. That's and they're still my favorite dude. bands. You know, like I still like I have a lot of good friendships with all of them, and it's just I pinch myself, dude. Like, like the friends I have, like all the dudes I look up to, and we're just friends. And like I don't know, motocross it gave me such a good life, dude. Yeah, it took me down some dark holes, but I did that on my own. And you know, like I don't know. Uh, fast forward, you know, like why down the road? Why did I get into drugs? what happened in my life? Why, why did I completely burn my life to the ground from drugs? I had a great childhood. Um, don't really have, I have maybe a couple issues, but I don't know if it's just like you, you grow up and that's what you're in. You could probably just get addicted to the lifestyle and drugs. Of course. Dude. Absolutely. You know, like 100%, I, dude. I had a bunch of arguments with my counselors because they always wanted me to open up more. And I did open up about some things that have happened to me in the past couple of years. But why did I turn into this? Like, Dude, at age 16, when you just get thrown into your dream and you just go for it, it's just a lifestyle, dude. And I was just stuck to it. Bro, partying. have you heard that song? Uh, it's like by Justin Bieber. It's like that song, Lonely or whatever. Somebody sent me that. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, two minutes or whatever. And it's like, it's actually sad, dude. Like, you know, because this young boy, right, at that time was thrown into this just ungodly fucking amount of fame right and everything's just down his throat and just like all this crazy shit happens right but take a sliver of that right and that's what you had 
right? And and what I mean by that is you're a young, you're a boy, dude, 15, 16 years old. And I didn't right? know who I was at the time. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, we, we just, we, we see these people, we look up to them, we want to emulate them and, and that's that. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's neither here nor there, but you know, I don't know the, the, the deepest issues in your fucking core. Right. But if I just look at that at face value, makes sense why you get into drugs. Yeah. I mean, that's all, that's all that life was back in the day in motocross it was very rock and roll and you know everybody knows in the early days of freestyle motocross in the metal militia brian deegan larry lincoln they have this group called the metal militia i was so bumped on them i was just always intrigued with the bad the bad dudes you know like all the people doing like the good i'm like fuck those pussies they're like flipping the crowd i'm like getting into trouble i'm like i want to do that that is so fucking rad that was like just me yeah so, uh, you know, before, before I want to talk about the metal militia days and all, and all of that stuff, right. Um, you, you did warp tour, right. For, for three years, you did it in Australia, right? Yeah. Looking back at that experience, right. Is that what you were trying to tell to your, uh, to your counselor that it is those moments that led you down the rabbit hole? I think it was, it's still hard because like I said, when you have a, a really messed up childhood and like all these traumas, it's very easy. It's, it's easier to grasp what led you to drugs and everything. I didn't really have any dark shit, but there's a couple little things about like abandonment issues. Always like never want to be alone, you know? And I, but I think that comes from like always being in the spotlight and always like, it was always hard for me doing these shows and everything. Like, being around all these people, everybody want to be around you. Everybody want to like hang out. And then like when the lights go off and you're just all alone, it, that was scary for me. Yeah. You know, like that. So that was kind of a big deal, but I don't know. Like I said, it's not as, it's not as hard as if you had a really jacked up childhood, you know? So I really feel that. Yeah. When you just get thrown into the lion's den, dude, that's it, man. And that's all you do, you know? And it, but I liked it. And that was of course. the hard, I, I didn't realize it, but it was like a full blown, I was an addict. I don't know how you came one, but like, I liked it. I had fun drinking. I had fun smoking weed. I had fun doing Coke and raging all night, dude. It was just, it was a blast. It, but it wasn't like I was doing it, like going, going behind the, the fucking, uh, the trash can to go meet my drug dealer. You know what I mean? Like trying to yeah. put this, like this picture in people's head when they think, you know, how dark it gets. It was like, dude, rock and roll people coming up, want to party. And so it just everything came to me and it was a lot of fun dude <laughs> dude it was a beautiful experience it was a beautiful yeah. like it, everything it was. it was like the drug days it was like it was rad yeah <laughs> it no. wasn't like how dark what a lot of people that's what i'm trying to say like when you picture it yeah how dark it could be no it was a lot of fun but i it, think it, it got dark i very yes. dark yes and i don't doubt that <laughs> um but it always starts out fun though right I think, I always think, always dude. right i mean any you talk about any any person you know that's had addiction issues um it always starts out fun man it just it was so much i remember the first time i did like cocaine one not the first time but it was like doing with fat mike from the lead singer no effects after he did like it was him me and bo manley in new york at some bar it was just me and we were just doing robes i mean so that was my experience like the first it was so fucking (laughs) it was like rapping out so that's what i mean dude it was like the coolest times the early days and i just yeah and then i think that's what you do you always try and mimic those moments how rad how rad it was and you try and do it It doesn't work you keep doing it you know what i mean of course it's just but but uh (laughs) yeah 
you know, when I was, you know, I guess in whatever, 2000, I would have been like, you know, 15 or 14, whatever the hell it was. Uh, if you told me that I could be doing lines with Fat Mike uh, anywhere, dude, I'd have been in. Yeah. I would have been fucking in. It, Are you serious? No effects was like, they're like gods to me. Yeah. You know, so. Me too. And it was <laughs> but you were partying with them. Yeah. But I didn't realize at the time yeah. because I had this persona I had to hold up, you know, like, so I wasn't, so I didn't even like really grasp it. You know, I knew it was cool, and but I didn't. Looking back, I'm like, damn, I wish I could have just took it in a little bit more. I think that's what everybody says. Of when course, they get older. dude. I think you took it in just fine. <laughs> I did. I made the most out of it. That's 100 <laughs> percent for sure. And I think a lot of people like think. I know for a fact, like I went way too far because there's so many nights. Like I was a blackout drinker. I would Jeez. just did not know how to stop. So blackout every night. It was fun at first, but then, like like I said, it got darker. <laughs> more just dark. Getting, yeah. Yeah. Well, how was it like though, when you would be, you know, 18 years old, 19 years old, going on these two and a half month trips and then coming back to reality? Like, what was that like? Um, it, it was cool, but that's like the problem, you know, like I remember warp Tour, my dad picked me up and then I was still living at my dad's and just coming back to my room and like hanging out with my buddies. It was cool, but it was fucking hard. And then I'd always be like, I already knew everything I knew about like, if you get wasted, you take a Xanax the next day, you take Coke. Like, so I knew the, the formula, yeah. you know, and I didn't want to stop. Dude. So that's like, yeah, it, it was, I met a couple buddies that were selling pills, got the pills, started doing, instead of like just drinking with my buddies, I drink and do Coke, you know, it was like, yeah. cause I knew it. I knew what it was about. It was, yeah. Dude. I mean, but it's, it's, yeah. I mean, those experiences, man, it's, it's fucking crazy. You know, I, I could only think, you know, for me, right. If I was going and just like traveling and fucking going everywhere, like a goddamn rock star. Right. And then having to come back and sit in my room at my dad's house with my yeah. high school friends, <laughs> I would be like, uh, this sucks. It was hard. My dad never knew how the party, I kept it, you know, they didn't know what was up. They just saw I was doing really good, making money, making a lot of money coming home from summer tour, you know? So you were, yeah, because that was that you were still in high school when it first started. Yeah, and then we uh, before that happened, I was in tenth grade. Uh, we I started do homeschooling because I was I was in a different state or country every week. It was like, and I was making good money. Jeez. So yeah, I did that, and then I don't know how it happened. I think my dad forgot too, but like I just didn't. I stopped doing that <laughs> I, just, I, I was doing so good. That was like the pinnacle of like when I was doing good, making so much money. We're like, well, we'll figure school out later. I don't yeah. know. Um, I did get my GED at age 30. There we go. <laughs> I came back. Dude. <laughs> I did really good on it too. I was proud of that, but yeah, yes. I just, I stopped, you know, but I mean, I was doing really good and uh, yeah. And this is back to what I was saying. This whole freestyle motocross, it wasn't even a sport. It was like just new. No, it was dude, so dude. hot back in the day. Like, People want to do video games, commercials, like every single week, just like checks coming in, offers, traveling. It was it was crazy. It was a crazy time, you know, because like I said, there's only a handful of us now. I mean, every single everybody's a freestyle motocross rider, you know, there's so many people and like the what they're doing now. It's so unreal. But we were at a time when we were like every single weekend. It was a new trick. It was like the Superman seat grab. It was just so, it was so cool. We, I was doing before the backflip. I was there when Kerry Hart did his first backflip. So just to see a sport really be, become born, like from when it was nothing, I was at the first contest when they had the first ramp. It's, it's just, it's really Damn, cool looking back so thinking I, I, like I said, I didn't know how big it was going to get, but being there, seeing all that, going to like all these, 
it was, it's really cool to say I was part of kind of history, I guess. No, a hundred percent. It was rad. I mean, to see how big it has grown from yeah. how small it was and yeah, being very at the small. forefront of that. Yeah. Right. I, it's, I mean, can you even look back and think like, what was it that made you start jumping the jumps a little bit bigger and pushing it farther? Like, what was it? It was everybody. Because it was so new and like, no, no, no. But before that, when you were, before you even started touring, before you started making a name for yourself, like, why did you even, it all started from, it all started from my dad taking me to that race. And then BMX was a huge deal. Like I had so many ramps and my dad was so supportive of this too. We had so many ramps, wood ramps at my house every day after school, my Cedar Glen and Moore Park. A lot of people know it was popping off. I had like dads and moms come i would like jump over i was like a stunt little evil knievel on a bmx how far i could get the ramp i remember the biggest i jumped like 12 kids or something like i had a picture of it polaroid just jumping kids just going super big on my bmx bike how big i can go you were that kid yeah i was 100 percent that kid it was cool and then that just yeah just like going i just like jumping i don't know what was it like what do you think it is like there there are just unique people that just have this thing in them like i i don't know like yeah you can always look at like that one kid at high school i was just like that one crazy fucker that could jump yeah. the biggest jumps and yeah i don't know because i was never like i i feel like i wasn't that crazy kid like i was a really good kid never uh never i don't know just when it came to anything with two wheels i'd just like to see Go big. something. Yeah, yeah that's so fucking cool, weird. man. Um, okay, all right, all right. So we're we're at the point, right? I, I want to talk about Australia, right? Yeah. Um, was that the first time you went out of the country? Like not Mexico, uh, but like Yeah, you- I I believe that was yeah, probably it probably would have been. It, it was amazing. What was that like, amazing. man? It was amazing. We had like little tour buses out there. We went to we did the whole Australian tour. Went to Brisbane, uh, Melbourne, like every hot spot. And we did the whole country. Jeez. It was just amazing. One of those things I couldn't even grasp it is that we were just doing it. Yeah. You know, Pennywise was on tour. I think Rancid, MXPX. It was just a really great tour. You know what? I really don't remember that tour a lot <laughs> because I remember there's one guy, some scatter kid. He like... Every time we saw, we'd get like I think Valium or Somas, and I think those kind of ruined it for me. Yes, <laughs> <I don't> sir. <remember. laughs> but yeah, we were on. Yeah, so I know we had fun. You know, I did everything we we did the shows. We killed it. But yeah, I think the Valiums really made me forget a lot about that. Yeah, all the Valium, especially the Soma, dude, fucking get you blackout quick. And then when you get hurt, they have this thing. Uh, in, it's big in Australia. Instead of like popping morphine or like pain pills, it's a it's a sucker. It's this, no, it's not a sucker. It's this thing you suck on and it's like a vaporizer and you suck on it and <laughs> see dudes like it even has a necklace so you can wear it on your chest and you would just suck on it. And that's like morphine hits. Wait, what? Yeah, it's fucking weird. Wait, what? <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> Last, and then I went back to Australia and Manly uh, broke his wrist and he had a couple of those. Yeah, it's like this little vaporizer, like little stick and you just <sighs> suck on it. Yeah, who would have thought? Wait, what? And it's what, morphine? Yeah, morphine, some, some really, opiate. Some opiate, yeah. Really cool. Wow. A of, a of, <laughs> the things I they think say. of. Yeah, I know. Fucking, fucking who would have thought? Morphine, vaporizers, and fetanol lollipops. Yeah. Jesus and Christ. And I, you know, I, I keep on talking about it. There's so many great times, like so many amazing times riding my bike. And that's what it was all about, riding yeah. my bike. Yeah. But what's sad is like the further I go down this road, like I would start, uh, drugs became 
a bigger deal. When do you think? And I forgot the love of fucking riding. I forgot that like I fulfilled my dreams. I'm living it. I could fully like focus 100% on riding, but no, the the scene, the the style, that's what I started to get in love with, you know? Yeah. When did it start getting dark? Um down the road, I I lasted a while. I think like when the backflip came around, you know, uh everybody really stepped their game up because that's when a lot of people saw like shit this is what we're gonna have to do to still be in the game is do this backflip after carrie hart did it at the 2001 gravity games metzger did it at uh in x games and that's when the whole sport really took a turn like now it's like life or death if you want to continue to be irrelevant in this sport you're gonna have to flip a 230 pound motorcycle i know everyone's doing it now but back in the day it wasn't like that it was it was crazy. And overnight, you literally saw half of the guys drop out and just, like, leave the sport. Wow. It, it, was, it, was really, it was really heavy. And, uh, yeah, I I never wanted to even be a part of it. I never even th- didn't even cross my mind. I'm like, no, I ain't doing that. Not because I was scared, but I don't know. Like, for me, it wasn't always – this is when contests really got big. But for me, I never got into freestyle to do, like – good in contests it was like that's why i didn't like racing structured events i just wanted to go big on my bike and show off yeah you know like that's what it was about so i i don't know i just kept it going doing what i was doing but me and manly at this time i had a name for myself like i linked up with twitch he was my best friend bo manly we came out with his movie the adventures of twitch and scummy which we had cameras on um our our buddy bought me and twitch cameras little handheld and we took those on warp tour and everything we made a movie like we were just fucking around like we had all the all this footage we're like let's make a movie and we would all edit it together porno dave is his name dave dawes he he was our like good friend we just hang out he's the guy that lives up here in santa clarita at the cabin off the old road he had this huge sick cabin 230 acres we'd go up there ride all the time carrie hart and pink would come up and ride like i mean everybody would come here it was just the most amazing spot ever um i don't know if i can draw a picture to like explain to people it was fucking amazing damn dude really cool anyways he he was uh he used to be a porno editor that's why we gave him the nickname porno Porno dave Dave. yeah that there it is (laughs) so i had all this editing equipment that's when he bought us a handheld cameras and we just filmed everything and we're like let's let's just make a movie let's see what it does he's already made a couple dirt bike movies before this and then, uh, yeah, we're like, let's name it Adventures of Twitch. I mean, it blew up. It like yeah. did really good. It was I just, remember. Yeah, it was just our lifestyle. And it was, so that got my name. Then my name was Scummy. <laughs> like the real story, how I got my name Scummy <laughs> is uh, on Warp Tour, the Long Beach Dub All-Stars, formerly like yep. the guys from Sublime. Sublime. Their roadie was like, this guy like couldn't even fucking talk straight. He was like the Tasmanian devil. I don't know if he was like kind of fucked up in that or he was just like so fucked up every day like he was just he was a character dude we would die me and manly would just like hang out with him like fucking he was a fucking character just oh i can't explain it his name was scummy he's the original scummy. yeah he and he was really lived by it he was real scummy like <laughs> the name and like his whole life it was a whole different level i'm i don't know how I, how i can even explain this guy but manly he was like our buddy on tour we would just laugh at him and like laugh with him whatever and manly's like dude you gotta, you gotta fucking make scummy. <laughs> like we gotta call you scummy, and then that's how it started. And then, and you know, on my on warp tour, I went big, like hard, and I didn't really care. So like, I kind of lived 
uh, it kind of fit me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the lifestyle. Not like being dirty, but like just fucking being on Warped Tour. Yeah, maybe a little dirty. Who yeah, knows? yeah. Just <laughs> and then, yeah, that movie came out. It stuck. But that's like back in the day. Like it was so cool. Freestyle was cool because everybody had characters. You had Metal Militia, uh, Brian Deegan, the bad boy, Travis Pastrana, the good guy, Flying Hawaiian, fucking Tom Cat Clowers. And I was scummy. Twitch has Tourette's. He was Twitch. It was just, it, it fit. <laughs> You know, and then like the more, you know, it just got big. So then I just went with that. How yeah, did we talk about? I don't even scummy. remember. But, 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 but uh, hold on. So not a lot of people know that story about the fucking Long Beach Double All-Stars. These are, I'm almost, I have to almost say that I know for a fact he's dead. Like there's no way he's still alive. <laughs> I don't even mean to no, start laughing. No, he's gotta be. Um, that's fucked up. Yeah, uh, that's crazy <laughs> though. That's, so that's how you got your name. Yeah. Yeah. If people knew me now, like I love, I'm like. I'm not OCD, but like my house, like, I love mopping. I love, I've always been that way. I'm super clean, organized. I'm so far from it, but like definitely live that life for a long time, I guess. Um, how, how was this before you teamed up with like metal militia and Deegan and, um, yeah, I was already kind of teamed up with them, you know, but this is like metal militia when we were like spray painting metal militia on our t-shirts. It wasn't even a thing, you know, it was before, just like, it was the like bad before boys. it blew up. Yeah. And that was like another thing that like kind of led me where it doing drugs and being a complete dickhead and like breaking the rules was acceptable because yeah we're in the fucking metal militia and back in the day it was like almost like kind of hell's angels like we had all our hell's angels and like fucking biker dudes they were our security guard i did so much shit. i never got i don't think i ever really got to fight that whole era like no one ever tried to fight me and these the things i did i should be dead from people wanting to kill me <laughs> you know what i mean but Jesus. like it was just like we we're unstoppable we could do whatever we want like it was it was so fucking cool (laughs) (laughs) like we we had it was just it was like it was motley crew like i watched motley crew i'm like dude yeah that that was fucking us like it was really cool in that early days and uh yeah it was just a lot of fun man and how old were you at this time like 18 19 you know i got my first this is when i got my first dui after uh left some movie premiere at tyler evans uh he was in the metal militia, me, Twitch, Bo Manlin. We were just driving down Hollywood Boulevard. I didn't even throw beer bottles out, like trying to hit cars. Like fucking just did oh not give God. a fuck, dude. That's he got it, my first DUI. You know, I just didn't care. And so so go, go, going through all of this, right? Um, before you did that video, right? Um, what, had the backflip come out yet? Mm, yeah. Okay, so the back came out. You're like, I don't want to fucking do this. Yeah, a lot of yeah, yeah. And so, what happened next? Like, because like you like you said, it's like, and even Metzger said this is like half the fucking people just fell off, dude. Oh, I started doing like I did a couple really big jumps, like a 200 foot jump in in uh, Jesus in Temecula, no Lake Elsinore at Manny's. But I was like the first guy to ever do that. So then that really blew me up. I had a lot of like big parts in movies. Like I, I did this jump before any of the top dudes, even like Jeremy McGrath saw it. Nobody hit this jump. Nobody. And I was doing it for months. And then like my name kind of got big for like, shit, this kid's like going for the big shit. Yeah. And then I just started doing really big jumps. So it like kind of kept my name in the game, you know? And so you were able to kind of work around that. Yeah. I worked around it really good, you uh-huh. know? I didn't have the success a lot of my buddies do. You know, they're all millionaires. <laughs> yeah. It, it bums me out if I would have just stuck to it and really focused on riding, practice, and getting better. I mean, it kills me. I've had a lot of issues dealing with that, seeing it. But, you know, what if I would have not done drugs and really focused on riding and I do a backflip and I get paralyzed? 
Yeah. You know, like you never know. You and I've never had the best know. life ever. Like all the things I've been through, like to this point, and like some of my worst things has made me such a strong person and like made me realize who I am, my issues. So like it all worked out. If I had to do it all over again, I would do it exactly the same. Minus a couple things. But like <laughs> for the most part, I would do it all over. Yeah. It really made me a better man and a better person. Realize what my issues aren't shit. Dude, anything is possible, right? A- anything. And yeah. Yeah. Hindsight once again is 2020. Um, when you did that video, uh, with, with Twitch. Yeah, right? Adventures of Twitch and Scummy. What what came next after that? Oh, man. Uh, just so many events. Uh, Did you find success from that? I guess. I Maybe. I don't know. Because we were just doing stuff every single week. You know, like commercials, traveling. Like, we just blew up. It got my name big with... It was hard to see it at the time, but I mean, every single week we were doing stuff. My name was hot. All our names, you know, we were like best friends with our other heroes, the Copmouth Kings. Yep. They were our brothers, dude. Like, like D'Lo got my name tattooed on him. I got his name tattooed on, on me. Like we were like homies, like all of us. And this, me and Twitch, we're big weed smokers. These guys were like the, our fucking heroes. (laughs) (laughs) I remember we did a jump show and like the Copmouth, and this is back in the day when they were really big. Yeah. And we knew Richter and D-Loke were there. Yep. And they were, we were tripping. We're like, shit, Twitch, they're here. And, like, they were tripping. We were here. And we we just blended so good. We were, like, we became best friends. And we started doing stuff with them. And then we got in, in with SRH. And then we started to feed off each other doing events. Like, all this stuff. I mean, it's just so hard to, like, look back all the stuff we did. Dude, Even it's like so- with that. It just, we were just – I was doing shit every, every week. So, yeah, I mean, my name just progressively got big, you know? It's it's so crazy because if you would have told me back in the day when all that shit was happening to you, right? Because dude, I was looking up to you guys like I like I just respected everything yeah. that you guys did, and it was just like fucking hell. And then you'd say like flash forward, you know, decade or whatever, you'd be sitting down having a podcast with Scummy. I'm like, yeah, fucking right, yeah. dude. So it's like you know everything that we go through in life, dude. You don't know where it's going to lead you, right? But um, you know, in that moment, did you appreciate what was happening? Uh, not really. I mean, I did, but like, I was just, it seemed like I was just so pumped to just ride and, and fuck off and do drugs and just truthfully. And so was it, was it get, was the drug issue becoming a problem at that point? It's weird because that whole time I never even knew what like drug addiction was or like, I'd never even heard of the word sobriety because why would I need to know that? Like I was doing great. I was making money. I was traveling partying which is never an issue but everybody was partying and i think it wasn't as bad because i didn't really find the opiates yet yeah you know and it but i looking back at it i was fucking high or drunk every day yeah but i still rode so good like me and twitch taking four foot bong rips hitting that 200 foot jump all day long you know it was it was amazing and like on warped i remember just waking up me mainly sweating from the night before doing coke and drinking waking up riding great I say that we we actually did ride good, but like not at our full potential. I could get the bike upside down, do all my tricks, but I was never really excelling, never really wanting to take it to the next step. I was always like doing what I had to do to like complete a show. Yeah. Just do enough just to like be there. But then as time goes by and like, okay, this is all he's got. Everyone else is like so far ahead and like, fuck, you know, 
at the time, it lasted a long time. I was cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it really was, you know. Like, I think I brought this up in rehab. Like, everyone's talking about, you know, drugs. I'm like, you know what? I had a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. But then you weigh those options out, like, all the dark shit, a lot more darker shit. I'm just, we're just talking it's, about, like, it, the early days, and it was a lot the of The early fun. days, right? The early days. Yeah. When did it start to become... When when did you, oh, like man. when did the when did the dark come over? Because that was like the early days. It just got you know like when everybody started really do good. Everyone started like Twitch. He found a chick, and he was my brother, dude. He was my road dog. He found a really good girl. He started to do really good. He started doing backflips, and I was still doing my same thing, still partying. That's when we kind of split up. We didn't split up, but like, um, he just started to focus on his riding started to make a lot of money and i was kind of stagnant just doing my same thing started hanging out with uh shadier people not shader but like when you're in the eye it's like you attract people like people that just want to hang out just to be in the scene they know i i like partying so th these are the guys that will come up with the drugs the pills just to hang out yeah they they weren't with me for my best interest to see me do good they just wanted to bring drugs to be in the crew you know um, man, I don't know. It just, I just stayed on that path. I really just stayed on that path when everybody else was doing a lot better, a lot better. And then, you know, I just, I remember linking up with some people, uh, one of my sponsors, I'm not going to say his name, but like he started sponsoring a lot of us with pills and weed, you know, he would get every month, he'd give us a paycheck, a bag of Valium, a bag of Xanax, bag of Norcos and a fucking half pound of weed. That was her payment the time it was fucking rad wow. you know like with the cash of and that course. you know what i mean and that's just like over time it would get worse i didn't see it at the time yeah. you know it would just like okay now i'm taking more and more i don't know what withdrawal is because i'm like consistently everybody's giving me shit yeah. i didn't even know what withdrawal is i didn't even know i had a problem um you know start blacking out more so i think people started to see it, it got a lot a little worse and then uh i don't know really i think it really got bad i linked up with one of my high school friends and he had a doctor in um van nuys and uh he was always always come back with all these pills hook me up I'm like dude what's up and he was selling them, making a lot of money i'm like yo let me let me see you get me connected whatever like not to sell them but just like how are you getting all these it was like looking back it was the worst deal i dr base is his name this guy killed a lot of people a lot of kids he was so gnarly and i feel so bad how how just twisted a lot of these doctors are but he was right and i'd go down there line of kids out the door dude and this is before like the dea is that yep. what it is it started yep. popping yep. we were he was writing 125 nor i i went in there i just had a had a bad shoulder like it hurt okay you, you're gonna need 125 norcos 80 somas and 90 xanax bars every two weeks and i want you to come back and take these so on my head a doctor's telling me this i'm getting these that's when it got bad so that went on for like six months whatever and then um i remember me and base my best friend at the time high school buddy and he, you know he he was my good friend like he got me but he had an issue too so he didn't know he was really ruining me and i i didn't know i was ruining myself but i remember we went to go fill up a script and he'd always like pass out and like snore super loud, like at my house when he'd spend the night just from like passing out. I remember on the way home, we went to go fill up the script and he was like snoring super deep, but it was really, really deep. I'm like, what the fuck? 
bass, wake up, slap him. I'm like, or whatever, he's passed. I've seen this before. Blasting the music. We drove like two hours home. I got out, and I think I fell asleep. I had somebody driving me, and uh, I, I got out, and we tried to wake up. I'm stiff as a board. He fucking OD'd and died in my truck, and that was heavy. Wow. Super heavy. He died, and then uh, like a month later, the DEA, uh, they they came after Dr. Bass, and he he hung himself in his office. It was a big story. Like this guy, like, yeah, he, he opted out because he knew he was going to get into a lot of trouble. So he committed suicide. And I know like three of my other buddies died from this doctor. Uh, yeah. Sad because he was prescribing, uh, Roxy's oxys. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at that time, you know, it didn't really like phase me even like base dying because you don't really show a whole lot of emotion. I was like tripping. Trust me. Like my buddy dying in my truck. And how old are you? Uh, probably like, 23 22 maybe and had your addiction gone full-blown at that point yeah i was still riding but it, it got to the point where now i'm just focused about how i'm gonna get like the pills how am i gonna you know it, and it's really sad you know i could I'm, i talk about this whole conversation we've been talking a lot about drugs there's a lot of good times but there's a big part of my story that that's like the main reason i want to do this is like sobriety and all this you know so anyways yeah it just got bad then i remember um fuck my buddy introduced me to a roxy 30 he's like you don't got to take eight norcos you could just snort one of these i'm like i threw up the first time I'm like that was horrible and i didn't realize how cool it made me feel like i like those and then that's when it got bad because now it's like you're spending ten dollars on a pill you need i was doing like 10 of them a day snorting them and that's when it's like it was just off to the races you know that's where it was all about that the opiates and it was sad because that's when it, it, people really started to see it was getting bad. You know, um, we were filming a TV, a TV pilot show, a TV show pilot for uh, Metal Militia for MTV. And we've been filming for like maybe five months. And I remember maybe like two weeks after Bass died, everybody knew the story. So they knew I was like part of that. They didn't know I was going to the doctor, but I think a lot of them realized a lot of people started to get really worried for me that I was going to be that next guy. And I remember, uh, Brian Deegan called me and said, hey, listen, you got to come to come to my house because we're filming for the pilot. We need you over here. So I went to El Torito, got cranked up, started drinking, whatever, and went over there. Dude, it was a fucking, it was so sketchy. Not sketchy, but for me, it was sketchy. I got in, and it was the biggest intervention for me. Oh my God. But it was a gnarly intervention, like Twitch, Deegan, uh, Fletcher from Pennywise, Byron, like from Pennywise. All these guys, like big dudes my good friends were there and I got in and I'm like fired up. Like, what are we doing? And everybody was dead silent. And it was, it was crazy. Wow, man. They would have bought me. They offered to take me to rehab, pay for it. And I said, no, I'm like, no, I'm going to be good. I'll go to an outpatient rehab. I'll do it my way. You know, like you guys have to trust me. I'm good. They like accepted it, but they were bummed. And then I went to an outpatient rehab going to meetings but I wasn't ready. I still yeah. didn't know anything about sobriety. And you know what? I didn't have anybody to look up to that that was sober. I didn't even know about sobriety. And that's why I feel like I got to do what I do because 
you got to look up to somebody, not like look up, but you got to have some sort of motivation. I didn't know anything about sobriety. I didn't know anybody that's gotten sober. I didn't even know what it was about. I wasn't ready. So I would like go get fake piss. I'd like go to AA meetings, like speak and go to the bathroom and snort Roxy's like, you know, tell them my coming back, tell my chick and my mom, dude, I'm doing so good. I just got out of a meeting. Crazy. It is crazy. It's like, but I wasn't even in the game. I was like down the road. I kind of doing a little bit of the same thing. Not really, but I wasn't, I didn't have a foot in. I was just doing it to please everybody else. And then, yeah, it, it still got bad. Got a DUI, second DUI um, on pain pills. Wow. Yeah, it pulled me over for a life. It wasn't like, I was intoxicated, but I had my pills. I got a DUI. Started getting arrested more for blacking out at shows and everything. I think people just started to realize, like, dude, it was becoming a problem. How long after the intervention did that happen? The DUI? Yeah. Uh, maybe like a couple months. But I just kept it going, like just starting to black out more. Not, I was always kind of blacking out, but just always like, dude, I was just going for it, you know? Riding less. My riding wasn't getting as good. I wasn't even focused on riding. It's really sad. At the time, I didn't even see it. I had a, a long relationship at the time, about eight years, and that went south. I blacked out at a, it was my birthday party. This club did a birthday party for me, flyers and everything. It was so it was cool. I show yeah. up, and this is like the the last stage of my relationship. Um, she was kind of really getting over it. Like she wanted me to get clean, and I was just doing shady stuff, like lying to her a lot, cheated yeah. on her a couple times because I just I was just all over the place. It was like something out of a movie. After the after that night, my birthday at this club, we come home and I fucking pass out. Apparently, I don't remember, but I wake up. And her house is completely fucking empty, dude. Something out of a movie. Are still what? No, I'm telling you everything. I would just she left me the bed. I don't blame her, and I've made my amends to her not too long ago. I said like it was just. I brought that story. It was fucking amazing. I guess she had her family come while you were passed out. Yeah, but I passed out for a while. But yeah, they. I guess they were like moving shit around me. I didn't wake up. I woke up and it was just me and Lenny, my dog. And like I woke up, had a, it was something out of a fucking movie, dude. What the fuck went through your head, bro? Oh, I was tripping, tripping. And then, uh, yeah, she didn't pick up for long, but it, it hurt. But like at the time, I wasn't even like, I was heartbroken, but I couldn't even feel the motions. Because yeah. at that time, I was just worried about like getting something so I didn't have to feel hungover and then carry that on to feel good that night it was it's crazy what drugs do man it's so weird right we go back how fun it was the first couple of times and you just get darker darker loose shit i don't i don't i lost the love i lost like it's crazy yeah i mean because dude you were with her for eight years a long time that's nuts it was but the whole looking back at it the whole time i was like it was in my prime of just partying and like living that style so like looking back it's just crazy in a relationship like if you're not 100% sober where you can actually communicate and like actually say I love you, you know, like from the heart, yeah. it's not real. I know I love her, like, but you know what I mean? Of course. Living that life to being like 100% sober, like it's, it takes a real man even going out, like talking to a chick. If, if you're like, you got a couple drinks in you, like it's almost kind of fake. Are you going to do that if you're not? You yeah. know, like if you can go up to somebody and have a civilized conversation, just I just love being 100%, 100% yeah. sober, dude. It like really shows who you are. It, well, As a it, person. Does. it does because if you're drunk a lot of things come out you're a little bit more risky of course say a lot more shit like would you be saying that you know, <laughs> you, know, like, you don't know no you don't and you know when we go through these experiences right it's like yeah you know 
would we say that if we were completely sober? Yeah. Like, probably not. Yeah. Dude, probably not. But that's so fucking weird to think that you were passed out for that long and they cleaned it. Wait, you guys had a house together? What was it? It was a big condo. Yeah. It was a condo, but yeah. It was. You guys had it fully furnished. Fully furnished. And she took everything? Everything. I believe, you know, <laughs> take gangster. it back. There was a couch in there. She left a very couple small, small things, but everything. She brought her brother, her parents, a couple of friends, and they completely, she just wanted out of that relationship, like, I guess, fast, quick. And that was like the only way. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I'll tell you that. I'm not even lying. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Were you mad? Not mad. I don't, I couldn't even like process it really. It's hard to like look back at those, that time. I just remember waking up with my dog and just like, thinking what I'm going to do to get over this hangover and like, you know, and I, she wouldn't pick up for like a couple weeks. Did but you cry? No, no. Did you talk to your dad? I did. I know I was like bummed, but I think I just met. And that's what I'm saying. I mass, I massed out with more drugs because it was a big deal. You know, I just didn't know how to process it the correct way. So I just fucking did more drugs and it made me realize like, okay, I can get through problems, but if I do drugs, all my problems go away. Not, they're not going away at the time they are. I'm just piling more shit on that shit pile, but I don't see it right now. Yeah. So that's what I was doing. Then, you know, that's when uh, the oxys were huge, but that's like kind of at the last stage where they're hard to get. Yep. And I did that. This is like that whole story is like probably a three year run doing that. And then my buddy, some other guy, you know, he said, Hey, this black tar substance, you can smoke this on tinfoil and it's way cheaper. So I did that. That's when I started smoking heroin. I hate that word, heroin. Because it's like I was not grown up to do heroin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a scary word, but like really wasn't. Yeah. I never touched a needle, but yeah, smoking heroin. I never like. But that's, kind of, I do have to ask you a question, right? Yeah. Um, there's a difference, bro. And I don't think people realize this is there's a difference from smoking heroin to shooting up heroin. Yeah. It's night and fucking day and neither night. is neither is right or wrong right i'm not I'm not here to fucking judge right um but i i countless so i've lost so many friends from going down that road shooting up shooting up's a whole different ball game because you really can't od from smoking no heroin. yeah you'll yeah, pass out yeah. before and i never it just never i i do thank god because yeah. if i did one fucking needle i yeah. would fall probably fell in love with it but I knew so many people were dying, and I don't know. I was fine with smoking it, so I'm very lucky. You are, and that was, that's that's my point. But I, I don't think a lot of people know that, and it's like yeah. nothing to brag or run home about. But it's like there Completely are levels. Different. It's yeah. like there 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 are, there are levels to shit, right? It's like taking drinking an entire beer to fucking drinking fucking a shot of moonshine, yeah. right? It's like so I was never that dude like nodding off where I was just done i was a functioning drug addict you know yeah. it would get like when alcohol came out it, it got bad but like for the drugs the most part i'm sure like looking back slurring the words a little bit but i was functional i could like get through i'd go ride whatever um it just became a, a main it became a job dude like to figure out how i'm gonna get the next sack oh this is gonna last me this long oh yeah, i gotta ride tomorrow i gotta have it just became a fucking how job. did you do that how did you travel oh i fuck when I'd go to Australia, all these places, everybody had drugs on them. There's a couple times we, I carried, oh, there, there's a story. I, I had, this was a, a fucking really dark story, dude. Not dark. It's just looking back. 
told it a couple times. This was probably one of the craziest. Um, this was at the last stage. I did Evil Knievel days in uh, East Coast. I had to do this like 200-foot jump, 180-foot jump for Evil Knievel days. They had me come out. Well, this is when I was really like addicted to opiates where I needed this to even function. So like without really focus on what I have to do for this jump, I didn't even bring my bike. They had a bike for me. I was just figuring out like, okay, I need to fucking get some black tar heroin. I hate saying that and make this last this whole time. So I, I brought heroin in the plane, cut it in, in my, uh, in my pants, hit it in there. And I, right when I got out, that's all I was thinking about. Not thinking about, I have to do this huge jump on a borrowed bike. Just thinking, okay, when I land, I'm going to do it. I smoked it all the day when I got there. Then I was screwed, completely fucking screwed. Started to get really dope sick. My buddy, he was kind of partying with me. He's like, dude, I can't get this, but I can get a uh, crystal meth. You know, like fucking, that wasn't even kind of my deal. So I did that up all night. Uh, I got drunk that night. I was supposed to do this, ride my bike in this parade for like the families and all this stuff for evil can evil days. I was in jail. <laughs> dude, I got arrested that night. I don't know what happened. The promoter picked me up so pissed, so pissed. I was sweating, didn't even sleep, and I missed a parade. Then, but then I had to do this jump that day. I just remember how horrible I felt. I was thought I was dying from the night before, dope sick. Just got out of jail, and then I did this jump. I pulled it on this borrowed bike. It was Trigger Gums bike, but we were having trouble start the bike. We had to put tie downs around the handlebars tied to a truck and the truck was like driving so we can bump start it because it was a 450 and it wouldn't start it was unbelievable so i got it going we couldn't kill it i did this jump when i had to do the promoter was so pissed he and i was getting paid a lot so he just like just do the jump whatever right when i landed probably like another 30 feet the bike seized up the back tire locked up dude i landed and then locked up it was people were tripping but like just to like go through the whole story, like getting blasted, going to jail, waking up, promoter picking me up from jail, doing this big jump to like, if that bike would have seized another 20 seconds, I would have been fucking dead. And none of that phased me. I just did it. I'm like, dude, the bike locked up. It seized. <laughs> just, they took me there for it. I mean, oh my <laughs> gosh, Motley crew shit. And I don't know how I pulled it. it. It was just, that's like, that was kind of the life. Just really ex- walking on thin ice i don't know how i'm not dead a lot of that stuff you know just put myself in a lot of dark issues dark situations just really i can go on forever and ever dude you know like did you burn a lot of bridges Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah right. i went to hawaii uh for this contest got really it was uh, another relationship i guess uh it, it was really bad. They got us, uh, it was for the pipeline master. They had the team DVS. We were on this. They got us a huge mansion, me, Deegan Feist. I think Deegan, I don't know. I got really, really messed up that night. Me and my chick got a huge fight. It was like bad to the point you wake up and they're not, they're not like, they're just tripping on you. Like disappointed. Like we yeah. can't even believe what, you know, they kicked me off. They flew me home. Uh, I lost all my sponsors. My dad was so pissed. I think that's when my dad kicked me out because he knew it was becoming an issue. I, I got clipped from every one of my sponsors from that trip. I'd always land on my feet, though. I got, like, new sponsors and whatnot. Um, Wait a minute. You got dropped from all your sponsors? Yeah. I mean, it's a small industry, like, word spread. And that was a big sponsor, DVS Shoes. Yeah. At the time, they had a big team. I was one of their main guys. So, yeah. 
I mean, it was a big deal. Like, it was a big event for like they had the the all the top surfers, skaters there. So I made a complete dick out of myself in front of a lot of the wrong people. Wow. You know, so yeah, I just uh, and I never really, I never, still never knew what sobriety was. Never knew anything. How old were you when that happened? I don't even know. Maybe twenty six, twenty seven, maybe. Then uh, I know I did pick up a book, The Heroin Diaries. Yeah, it's a good book. That was the only book I've ever read. And that's when I really, I always loved Molly Crew, but that's when I really looked up to Nikki Six. And yeah. that's the first time I heard about sobriety. First time any of that. And like he became like a big role model. I didn't even want to get sober. Yeah. But it's like that's the first, you know, shine a light that like, wow, he got sober and like he got his life back. It, it was such a big deal to me, Nikki so Six. Crazy. At the time. It's funny because down the road, like nine years later, like what you were talking about, I work for a recovery day magazine. And I was a guy interviewing all these people, and I got to interview Nikki Six, me and him, and it was so cool because I got to tell him that story. Like, dude, you were—I told him that exact story. Like, you—it's crazy that you and me are talking because you're my hero, and like how you got sober. You were the first guy to like show me like this thing about sobriety. It's like the small world. Steph Enzo being my hero, and then like he's my best friend now. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. Life's rad, dude. That's that's yeah, that's fucking bonkers. how old were you when you read the heroin diaries uh probably like 28 that's like when i was like doing heroin doing all that and then uh you know it got bad it got so bad to the point uh you know heroin was a thing i couldn't i started selling everything started selling all my as a kid i've always wanted like to have a house and have all my custom painted helmets like on a mantle you know like what all the pro dirt bike riders started fucking selling for pills selling for heroin i didn't have anything i had a house a condo an apartment living at some chick's how you know bedroom her renting and it was just me and my little dog lenny i lost all my relationships started losing everything quick and it got so bad like after i kind of depleted everything getting money losing sponsors i didn't even know how to get money to get the next sack it was an expensive habit you know, like a gram a day. And the, over the next few years, it just got worse and worse. Like went downhill quick to the point and like ran out of options. I didn't know. Like I, that's the first time I, I realized what uh dope sick was. Yeah. Wanted to die. And then I went to my buddies to go get some and he had this like dust off computer cleaner and he was huffing. I'm like, what's that? And I did that and it got me so looped out. And I, dude, I started doing dust off. Jesus. <laughs> like the shit you see on uh intervention. I, I watched it. <laughs> intervention where that chick was on dust off back in the day tripping like what the fuck how do you like shut the fuck up chick's crazy you know how do you do that she's like you know like that was me i turned into that dude oh because i i realized i could start doing dust off just get so loaded on this that i wasn't getting dope sick on heroin because i was getting that high and so when i couldn't get like what i needed to get me through the day on heroin i would just go to the cvs and go get dust off and it wouldn't make you dope sick not as bad because i would just get so looped down that pass out it's like all this stuff it's so hard for me to say because it's so disgusting and like so many things years and years led me to each point you know and there's a lot of good times but like for the most part yeah it got bad it got to the point where now i was like going to best buy target i like a couple times i passed out in best buy like full-blown like to see how what drugs do you like how low they can get like i would never in a million fucking years think i'd like be huffing dust off <laughs> you know like you're huffing it in the middle of best buy yeah yeah just right when i get there just 
you know, a couple little squirts. I did a couple. I remember waking up, a bunch of people around me. I guess I passed out. I have no idea. To the point, like, now it's like, I don't even want to live anymore. Like, really, I just, it was just me and my dog. I just was so depressed. I did not, I locked myself in my room for a couple months, didn't want to talk to anybody. Did not, I wish I was dead. You know, a lot of very dark times. And then, uh, yeah, Metal Militia had me sign a contract, which was a big deal, you know, for like a kid from Moore Park having your, a huge company want to re-sign a contract, I guess. Metal Militia, it should have been a really big deal. Yeah, It did every year, but what I'm saying, like, it wasn't. Went down there this day, it was like super dark. Uh, signed it, I was so not even there. On the way home, I stopped in a couple, I stopped at Best Buy, get dust off to go home. It was like a two hour drive home. And this is so disgusting. I was driving around like this, you know, like yeah. I don't take this lightly. And then uh, it took me like five hours to get home. I don't even know what I was doing. I stopped I went, I went through the Valley. I remember I went to a target. I the last thing I remember, I was in the parking lot, huffing a can. Next thing I know it, the, the next thing, I don't know if I passed down there or whatever, but I guess I drove and there's a huge intersection out there. And I just remember I woke up in the middle of the inter- intersection. My my hood was completely crushed in. I was on the side. I hit like a FedEx or UPS semi in the center of the intersection. I don't know if I was trying to go left and he hit. I sideswiped like six cars. It was a fucking chaos, dude. People were like tripping, screaming. I'm like, what the oh fuck? My-, my car was still on. The only thing I think about was a dust off. Like it wasn't even the point. I was just drugs completely took over me. Some guy like ripped me out. I was sitting on the side of the curb. And the whole time I was thinking, dude, like there's dust off in my truck. I didn't think about it. I didn't hurry me. Thank God. And I feel that like I believe in God and everything that all this shit I went through, I have a bigger purpose in life to like spread my story to like yeah. help out as many people as I can because I should have killed somebody. Yeah. I, many sleepless nights still do thinking about if I could have wiped a family. Oh my God. It just, I don't even want to talk about it, but only thing I think about after all that chaos is where's the dust off. I went into my truck and everybody was there. Cops weren't there. I got the bag and I took it and there's a Payless shoes like right there. I went, I was like, think I was just so out of it. I did dust off in Payless shoes. Then I hid the can in like one of the shoes, like tweaky as fuck, dude, in the Payless. <laughs> Hit in the shoe to try and hide it because I knew the cops were coming. I go out, the cops come, they do a field sobriety test on me. I passed everything. The cops like, listen, I've been, I've been on the drug unit for 15 years. Like we know you're fucked up. They arrest me. And then I see, I was in the back of the cop car. I see a bunch of people saying like, he went in that way. He went towards Payless. And then I saw the cop going to Payless, found the dust off. So they got me. I went to Twin Towers jail for like four days. Um, didn't even phase me. I felt like I, I've never been happier. I'm not a kid made for jail, but like in Twin Towers, I felt safe. Like it was horrible. What the fuck? I just like, I didn't want to live anymore. I get that. My dad, my sister picked me up. That's when I started just fucking crying, dude. Like, I need help. That was the first time where I'm like, I need help. Uh, my sister, my dad, they weren't bummed. They just like, we didn't know it was this bad. I was very good at lying, keeping it from them. So, yeah, um, the next week they got me into a rehab in Ventura. And I, I remember in detox there, when they dropped me off, like, I can't. This is like what you see in movies. Like, re- what? It was yeah. a trip, just replaying my whole life and how it led me here. I'm like, man, the first weekend, it was just the best time of my life. I woke up and I just saw saw life totally clear. I saw how blue the sky was. Green. It was just it was an amazing emotional experience. And yeah, I stayed in rehab for 30 days. Uh, 
I was so pumped and motivated. I stayed there for another 90 days in, in uh, sober living. And I just started my whole life over. Yeah, it was cool. Started. Well, it was how like, long ago was that? That was in 2012. And then, uh, yeah, man, I like totally reset my whole life. I didn't, I forgot who I was. It's crazy. Like I, I was such a different person. I forgot I was even this dirt bike guy. I never had a job in my whole life. I, I just wanted to reset. I didn't want to ride anymore. But I didn't know what I was going to do. No GED, fully tattooed up. Yeah. Like, never got a job in my life. Um, my buddy got me a job printing T-shirts. I I remember I'd uh, where I lived was kind of far away, so my chick would drive me to my buddy's parents' house. I'd sleep in their side room because that's where my buddy still lived at the time. I would ride this uh, mountain bike probably like five miles ago, print T-shirts all day. And this is after living this cool rock star life. I've never been happier. Like, it was rad. Making minimum wage, printing T-shirts all day. And I remember getting a first check for like 200 bucks, how big of a deal that was for me. Damn. It was cool. That showed me like what making a dollar was about. And then, you know, I started, I did that for like a year and a half. Then my buddy uh, hired me to start putting windows and doors in, you know, just all this stuff. But then like people started to see like, wow, Colin's doing good. Yeah. And I kind of started like I got my uh, my buddy let me borrow a bike, and that was the first time I rode sober, and I fell in love with it. Again. it I fell in love with it again. It felt like when I was a kid, the love of the Jesus. love of riding, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so it was just like a whole restart to my life. It was cool, and then um yeah, started actually getting sponsors again. It was weird. Seriously, not for doing contests, just for like this guy's doing you? good. We're gonna help him. Yeah, kind of being me. That's when I really started like spread the message of like sobriety. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. A lot of people backed me. A lot of people backed me. So, yeah, started working for, um, you know, a couple, three years down the road. Uh, uh, worked for Recovery Day Magazine. That's where, like, I interviewed Nikki yeah. Six. A lot of people. Me and my buddy Russ started a podcast talking sobriety. Yeah. I just felt so passionate about it. You know, like, everything I've been through. But the whole thing is, I wasn't, I never, I still didn't do any work. Like, everything they taught me in rehab in 2012 I never did the steps. I never did the sponsors. I had so much self-will doing it my way. Like, dude, look at me. Like, I'm back. I'm so it was easy to stay sober. It really was. Like, and it was fun. Like, I lost everything, dude. In rehab, I had two t-shirts and like a skateboard. I lost everything. So like coming out, getting like a new pair of shoes, getting a piece of shit truck to like selling that to get a little bit better truck, getting my first apartment with my chick, like doing all this stuff sober. It was fun. It was exciting. Yeah, very exciting, but I wasn't doing anything. I was spreading the message because I had a lot of fans. So it felt really good and it felt like I was helping a lot of people, which I know we were. But looking back at it, I wasn't doing anything for myself. You know, not really doing what you're supposed to be doing in recovery. And that lasted about five years. Doing really great. I got like my whole life back. I like really built a name, got started a couple businesses, got very, you know, became successful, dude. Yes. All with sobriety. Um, Let's dive into it. Like five years, I, not many people know the story, but I went to the dentist and uh, it was like the first test. They, I had a tooth pulled and they said, you need, you know, you want a prescription for Norcos. And I remember I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't know anything about, you know, yeah. I knew about it, but I wasn't doing it. I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Because if you take them as prescribed, you're good. And I've been sober for five years. I can handle this for sure. And I did that. And um, I remember, man, I, I didn't tell anybody about it. I'm doing it my way. And I took those and like, it just came back. It didn't come back sure. like, like full, but it, it did. It made me like, it triggered something in my head. I'm like, okay, after this, I got one more refill 
I'm like, this is the last one, like whatever. And I wasn't like taking five at a time, just let them last. And then it, it's so crazy. Like then after that, I went to an urgent care to try and get a couple more. Then I found a buddy that would start giving me. It's fucking crazy. And I didn't even think I had like a problem piece. It wasn't as bad as like how it was. Yep. And I'm still have my job. All these people look up to me, like all these people I'm helping. And it's so crazy, but I, I still carry the message of sobriety still saying I was sober because I did not that my ego, there's no way I could let people know. I mean, we're going to fast for a couple years. Probably. I, I did that. You were doing it like, just like under the radar. Under the fucking radar. Not, not many people know. Um, I tried and I knew I was addicted again. I had a chick for like this time, Ashley, I was with her for, I met her out of rehab in 2012 she knew how good I was doing. I was never like drooling. I was just taking them. Um, yeah, the whole time I was doing, I couldn't believe I was there again. It was unbelievable. I got on Suboxone. Yeah. I found uh, Suboxone, but they didn't tell me that it's like nine times worse getting off Suboxone than the opiates. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't think I had a problem. Suboxone, I did that for like a year. I tried to get off it a couple times, and the withdrawals were so severe. I knew I was fucked. I knew, like, what am I going to do? How did you even do I'm it? I'm carrying the message. I, I'm getting paid a lot of money to go interview Danny Trejo, Nikki Six about recovery. I'd go to bed every night wanting to cry because I have nobody to reach out to. My sobriety date's tomorrow. If I don't go out there and do a post saying that I'm now six years sober, people are going to know that I'm fucked up or they're going to know what's up. So it's like, what do I do? So I just, I carry on. I fucking Jeez. bullshit everybody. But I knew it was, it was such a big deal for me such a monkey on my back i didn't know how to say that i fucked up that i relapsed i didn't even, it was it was the craziest shit ever looking uh, back at it it's so crazy dude. and but and then i see all these messages every single day everyone's like dude you're helping me so much your story like you saved my life and like all these people i got into rehab so i'm like well fuck i don't have a problem in my in my twisted head i don't even have a problem i'm helping everybody you know what I mean? I, there's no way I can like be open. So I just got to keep on doing what I'm doing because I can't let people know I fucked up. And were you My ego is way too big. I was on Suboxone, yeah. And then, uh, dude, it just got fucking bad. I started to like experiment how I could get off Suboxone. I would, people reaching out to me telling me how I did it. What they don't know is I was kind of asking hit, them, asking them. Like, so how they do it? So when they're, I'm trying to get off Suboxone, I look up to you for sobriety. So, like, how have you done that? It's fucking. It's crazy. People that don't understand addiction, they probably think I'm a fucking tool. And I got a lot of people like they don't. A lot of people don't know this story. I think it takes a bigger man to like tell tell the fucking truth, dude. That's part yeah. of like my step nine is making my amends. I I feel I owe a lot of amends to a lot of people. But even though I was like, I knew what I was saying. I knew I was trying to help people. Just for me, I wasn't yeah doing anything for me. So. I got one of my buddies said, you know, he got me some Xanax. Maybe I can try and take little nibbles of Xanax. I can't take them how I used to because I'd be drooling on myself. I can't let anybody know. It turned into a game. I cannot let anybody fucking know. Looking yeah. back the way I looked, a little sucked up, but I played it off because I wasn't doing it to get fucked up. It was just that that fine line of like, Damn. I know I'm fucked. I can't be dope sick. People are going to know. I can't not say I'm not sober. It was it was so how the fuck some did dark you get nights. off of that? Well, I, I remember I was going to work and I took a little piece of his annex. Uh, just normal not trying to get fucked up, just trying not to get dope sick. And it was laced with fentanyl. And uh, I had no, I didn't know what fentanyl was because that whole time I was seven years since the first time I went to rehab. 
um, missed the whole fentanyl game, you know, but I, I did it. I woke up in jail in my work clothes. Scariest thing ever. And this is after everybody thought I was doing so fucking good. And then Ashley, she, she fucking knew I was doing good, but I had to call her from jail. And that's when it came out. I'm fucking, I've been, I've relapsed a while now. How the fuck did you go to jail? Uh, DUI. I was just in my truck, not driving. I was just there and I passed out and a cop was right behind me. I don't remember. I was at a job. I was driving my work van. I wasn't, I was parked and, uh, yeah, I was. But you were parked? I was at a job I, in my work van. But you were parked? Yeah, but I was like slumped over. But you were parked? Keys in the ignition. But. DUI. Yeah, no. Listen, you shouldn't have been doing the fentanyl. No, exactly. I, did, I knew you weren't doing but the fentanyl. People, you shouldn't have done that. But I like. Sh- I should. No, no. I, I deserve the fucking DUI. I, I'm okay with it because if I would have passed out driving down the freeway, I, I accept that. I, sh- I should be in jail. Like I- I'm fine with that. Like I did that on my own. You know, there's a lot of things that led me to it. I didn't mean to, but it doesn't matter. You know, like I sure. And you're taking accountability for it, but hundred percent, but no matter what, even drinking, if you are in your car and the keys in the, in the ignition, you're drunk DUI, no matter what that's just like, I know that for a fact, but if the car is on, um, it could be, I think the keys in the ignition, I I've been to DUI school way too much like i know that for sure not proud of that whatsoever so anyways okay god you won um yeah it was people were tripping people could not dude so what the fuck happened people could not believe it um it's weird a lot of people i came clean on my instagram like i was very emotional for me and i just put out there the world dude i relapse nobody knows that everybody at this time still until right now Everybody still thinks I had seven years of sobriety. They don't know I only, only had five. That was one of the secrets I was going to take to the grave with me. And that time in rehab, when you let go, like through your steps and everything, you let go of all these like things that are weighing you down. But I was, I held on to that. So like when I went to rehab, I, I really wanted to give it a shot, do the steps and everything. But looking back at it, I thought I got to like step five Looking back, I was still doing it with one foot in. I got a sponsor, but like I still, I was holding on to a lot of shit. And uh, so I wasn't really doing it correctly. I thought I was. So, anyways, I, I go for only 30 days, uh, come out, doing really good. I don't know how we can talk about this, Russ, but some things, this is like the beauty about Instagram. They don't see all the shit that goes on in my life. They of don't fucking so. know. And I think there's a couple things I can leave out. But, anyways, I was married for a long time. Just bought my first house right before that DUI. And that's what's crazy. Like, it it took so long from 2012. My credit was like a 200, dude. I couldn't buy a fucking, couldn't buy anything with my credit, you know? I worked so fucking hard to get my credit, to to save money, to like buy my first house. It was such a big deal. This was like a couple months before I got that DUI. The biggest goal of my life, I bought my first house with my wife at the time. Didn't even matter. Still doing drugs. I got right when we bought the house. I got my DUI like two months after. It just shows like drugs. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um. So yeah. Anyways, I go to rehab. Come out. Everyone's very. Everybody's supportive. Like yeah, of course. But then in my marriage, there's a couple things I can't talk about. But you know, trust is everything. Fucking trust is everything. <laughs> oh God, I want to talk a lot more. Um. Some things happened in my life which yeah. made me want to like jump off a bridge, kill somebody or run my car through my house. Like some gnarly shit happened. Yeah. Um, 
and I was so fresh. Instead, I fucking, I didn't care. I'll burn it all the ground. Like, I'm a very loving guy, but, like, when I get, like, lose it, I'll just burn all the ground. I don't care. Yeah. I started doing drugs right away. Uh, instead of, like, snapping on what happened, I just called my buddy. I got heroin, you know, and it, I, that lasts another three months. And then, um, fuck, I, my wife, she knew I was dealing with shit. But there's some other things. I don't even know how to stir around this. But anyways, I go back to the same fucking rehab that I was just at. I used to talk shit on people. Not talk shit, but like, how do you go to rehab and come out and go right back? Because it's like a revolving door. Like, how do you, how does that happen? Yeah. It fucking happened to me. Of course. Like your cankles. Like my fucking cankles, yes. (laughs) Sorry. It was good. It was good for me at the time. But I remember like Russ, he, uh, he knew when I was going down, like just depressed, I didn't, the second time around, I just gave up. I'm like, fuck, I, I don't even want to live crying down there. Just of like no hope. And just walking back in the same fucking rehab after I got out like three months before saying how good I'm going to do. And I felt like it would have done good, but yeah, some, a huge thing in my life happened. It's not that fault because if I was doing recovery the right way, it could have steered around that. But yeah. I'm telling you what happened in my life is probably the biggest thing that fucking ever happened in somebody's life that would make somebody snap so whatever but i still could have steered around it anyways i didn't i show up in rehab again the same fucking rehab i just i didn't want to be there i didn't like listen i'll stay here for 30 days um anyways 30 days i'm like i'm gonna stay here for 90 days that 90 days saved my life because about a month and a half in that's when i really did the steps but this time i did it correctly i let go of some shit i told my counselor some shit I was only I was gonna take to the grave with me. Some magical shit happened, dude. Like step four, after letting all that stuff go, after telling my counselor was the first person I told that I was only sober for five years and I've been bullshitting everybody. I mean, that felt so fucking good, dude. It felt sure. so good because I was tripping that whole time for two years. I was like the biggest weight on my shoulder. And it's so much harder when you have so much light on you from like fans and all these people that like look up to you. Like it makes it so much harder. Of course. Because everything's in the spotlight and I Telling that person, my counselor, that there's some other things I told, making my amends, realizing what my defects are. Like, maybe I'm not this fucking dude that every that I've been getting fed my whole life and badass, tattooed up metal militia rider that, you know, like a hardcore, you know, yeah. dude, I'm a fucking softy, dude. I'm a lover, bro. Like, I mean, that's my defects, you know, like, I don't care. Drop my fucking ego, dude. Like, I don't really care. I'll send it, but I'm. I got to focus on myself, dude. Like I'm not doing it for everybody else. Ego is a big thing. Self will, all that shit. It's huge. So I realized a lot about me and I really started working on myself and it was some magical fucking shit that happened. And then, uh, yeah, like I was going to come back to my house, my dogs, my wife, but some things happened in there. I realized like, dude, I got to change my whole life. So out of rehab, this was like four months ago. I'm like, I'm selling my house. I'm getting a divorce from some, things that happened that led me to rehab <laughs> selling my house um you know it's fucking crazy and that's what i was saying earlier like on paper i got a lot of shit going on i got that dy year and a half ago and with covid there's still my court dates next month but i've had like five court dates they keep on pushing it Jeez. and they want me to go to jail for 50 days what what <laughs> yeah i'm cool with it i got a lawyer but he's trying to get me out of it but if i go it, dude I should like I should pay for my consequences, you know. Even though nothing happened, I'm, I'm I've accepted that. So on paper, bought my first house, my dream house. Just got out of rehab, fucking, you know, 
losing my house, divorce, um, all this stuff on paper is bad. I've never been so happy in my life and, and content. I feel like I have this like kind of shield around me. I feel like I'm doing it once for myself before I was doing it for everybody else, every, everybody else trying to help people. Now I'm doing it for me. I'm really working on myself, really figuring out what my issues are, my defects, trying to like pinpoint certain things, just trying to be a better person. And, um, it's amazing. And so many things are falling into, into place, dude. Even like some people I've met, this person I met, uh, I don't want to get into it, but there's some magical things that fucking happened, dude. I know. Yeah. Damn, dude. Jesus, man. Floaty potato. Oh, to be able to go through all of that, man, and to, to come back, like what, what is it? Is it the support? Is it you yeah, is it letting support. go of the ego? Is and there's it- so much stuff I left out. You know, I'm just trying to pinpoint some things. I, dude, I don't know. I just, I, I love sobriety so much to wake up, to like be firing at all cylinders, just fired up for life, just living life to the fullest, dude. And like, it's not so much about motocross. Motocross is my life, but like doing new things. Andy Roy went to um, rehab with him. Like we just, we're like little kids. Let's go skydiving. Let's go hiking. Let's go to the beach. Like whatever, just living life to the fullest, knowing you don't need drugs, dude. Like hundred percent, like the fun I have still going out at night. Like it's just amazing. And like, showing people that you can do this without drugs and alcohol yeah. it's so much fun and but everything got me to this point showed me this you know i had to go through a lot of stuff to realize that so i don't know um life's good man but what's to say if something else doesn't come burning down it's not gonna bring you back I, what's different i feel that I, I i let a lot of stuff go and i'm actually doing recovery this time before i was always trying to do it my way and in recovery if you try and do it your way you will always fall this time, like, I, I've been working with my sponsor a lot. And the biggest thing is just realizing why I did drugs. I realized, like, I was doing drugs for – it wasn't even about the drugs this last couple times. It was about my insecurities and, yeah. like, some things that was happening in my life, me being scared to face them head on. So I was just being a pussy, just doing drugs to mask it and not deal with the issues, not deal with, like – some of the stuff that's been in my head instead of like confronting that and being like, dude, I, maybe I need help for this or I need to be open about this. I would just do drugs to like, you know, look like I was a lot tougher on Instagram. Everybody thinks I have a perfect life and how strong I am, you know, like, of course, that's what I look at Instagram, how bullshit it is. Everybody's got fucking issues, dude. It takes like a real man to like be open and like, I'm fucked up. I need help. You know, not, it's hard for guys to say that. Of course. You always got to be the tough guy. And that's what I was. I, I was the tough guy, especially like, all these people, I look up to you, metal militia, like what I just said, like yeah. all this stuff, like it's a very hardcore persona. So to actually be like vulnerable and be open, it it was hard at first, but now I don't care what people think, you know, and I'm just working on me. Do you think that persona of the industry itself is still there? Like like guys still got to be fucking badasses to be a part of it? or Not is it really. It's such a completely different sport now, you know. I, I'm still into the hardcore shit about motorcycles you know but it's like cool I, i'll go send i mean in rehab just to show that this last time in rehab i was trying to like really doing all this i'm like fuck you know maybe i'm not hardcore but i know i am <laughs> like <in riding. laughs> but like maybe i'm not because i look back all, all the big jumps i've done like i've been fucked up so i had my counselors take me out to manny's that big jump like 220 feet never jumped in like 15 years every single time i was loaded i did that in rehab on the weekends they let you out counselor in the 
the dude that owns the rehab took me there. I had my buddy bring my bike. Fucking did it, dude. Haven't jumped in so long. Did it, and I did it better than I did. So that was like it was such a. What was that feeling? It like? was sick, dude. It was so much fun, and like I realized I'm riding. I'm doing stuff now. I feel better right now in my riding than I ever have, and it just shows. Like it's crazy. I mean, then I went skydiving. I, I realized I've been skydiving before, twice. But I took Xanax both time, yeah. thinking that would help. I went sober. I the first time I dude. was tripping. This time sober, I was fucking fired up, pumped. Like everything I do is just. It's amazing. I've had sobriety. I've had five years doing this, but it's just different this time when you really do it. And I always remember going to meetings here, all the old timers and all everybody that's actually doing recovery, the magic you see when you actually do it with two feet in with these steps and you really have to open up. And I'd always try and do it my way. The first time in rehab, I didn't do anything. Second time in rehab, I'll do it with one foot in. I'll try and do it. And I thought I was doing it. No, like this second time I did it, praying, meditating, just things happen, dude. And I've, fucking feel completely different amazing who knows if i'll get fucked up tomorrow i really don't think so i really know that i've pinpointed a lot of things in my life and uh yeah she's rad and then uh stephanie who you yeah, had come in she's helped me a lot dude a, a lot i can really get deep with this but yeah we've kind of linked up we've been riding a lot we just she's shown me like all these new things like she's really got me to be healthier that's a big yeah. thing about sobriety dude it's not just getting off drugs no. like changing her lifestyle no, of dude. course what we put in our body man. exactly i've been like going to the gym every day she's really been she's showing me like a whole new way of life dude she rides too so instead of like just jumping all the time she got me to do some races we just did a <laughs> desert race last week how was that I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I'll jump 200 feet all day, go big. But yeah, we did an hour long race. It was a desert race. Never done a race like that. It was cool because we got to do it together. And the whole time I'm like, yeah, I got this. I got this. But we're on freestyle bikes, super stiff, you know, like it's not made for desert. Like all these other guys have like desert bikes you like go through. I'm like, I got this and like kind of have a name. So I feel like I have to do good. <laughs> First lap. I'm like, I was doing pretty good. I got arm pumped so bad. Arm pump. Do you know what arm pump no. is? When you ride? Can't even explain it. When you ride, it's a big deal. Your arms right here lock up so fucking bad. Like the pain and like the, the stiffness. You couldn't pay me a thousand bucks to pull all four fingers to pull my clutch in. Like I, my fingers didn't move. It was an hour long race and like about 10 minutes into it, my arms locked up. I'm like, holy shit. I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to finish this. And then Stephanie, she was on the same, like, we were on the track together, but she was a couple gates behind me because she was in the chicks class. I waited for her so we could ride together because I couldn't even do my race. I was dead last, but I had to complete it. <laughs> it was an hour long. And like each lap's 15 minutes and we were riding. She's like, we got one more lap. We go to the finish line and it's got a time thing. And it should have said zero because we thought it was the last lap and it said two minutes. So if, if we were there two minutes before, they would have checkered us. So we had to do one more fucking lap. But, dude, the lap is like 15 minutes. It's so fucking far. I couldn't even do it. <laughs> and she finished the race, and I didn't. It was fucking hard. <laughs> you didn't have, finish. Like, you're fucking chick. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even fucking finish, dude. <laughs> Tapped out. So, But it's like new experiences, yeah. right? Just like doing shit. I would never have done that. Yeah. You know, and just doing like all these new things. And uh, I'm just having the best time of my life. And it just shows like all the stuff with the divorce on the house, how like certain things can turn into the best thing ever. You know, it's everything in my life from going to rehab the first time after like passing down the dust off ended up being the best time because that's like when I got my life back. And like, even though it got dark again, 
ended up being the best time. I had a house. I lost it. I have never been happier. Out of darkness comes light, my friend. Yeah, it really does. And I feel like I've been kind of spotty with this story. It's so hard to tell my whole story like properly because I, I there's just it feels like there's so much shit, dude. It's I, hard. I think in I'm not good at story, it. Dude, I know, but I'm not good. I feel like I'm not that good at it, bro. I've done barely any talking in this podcast, so yeah. you're doing a good job, bro. I mean, you're doing just a like job. Pinpointing you're doing a good job. Shit. You're doing a good job, bro. You're doing a good job, kid. You're doing a good job. No, seriously. Um, I think telling anyone's story, bro, if I sat and tried to tell my fucking story, dude, there's just no way I can. But, you know, through us talking and just through you sharing, I've learned a lot about you and who you are as a human being, yeah. you know, and you've been through it all, man. You've had your ups, you've had your downs, but you continue to push forward, man. And you continue to inspire people. And, and you also talk about your ego a lot and i think that's so important because i think that a a lot of people need to learn how to just deflate their ego man like it just it's it's just bullshit it's literally bullshit like what what does it mean to be a a strong macho fucking who gives a shit man yeah life life is way too fucking short man what matters is 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 your mind, your body, your soul, fucking creating relationships, uh, creating memories, having good times. Like you don't need to be the baddest motherfucker in the room. Yeah. Maybe at one point in your life we feel like we need to, right? But there comes a point where it's like, I can continue to hold on to that, or I can let it go, and then just open myself up to new experiences. Like even you coming on here telling the story of like you know the uh, you know the hour race that you just did and. You threw in the towel, man. You didn't have to share that. You didn't have to fucking share that. But that's big, dude, because... I was going to ask, can we edit that out? I, I, I feel like an idiot. I was just joking about no, 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 no. Now it's same. That's, that's why I said it. No, dude, it's important because we're all human, man. 100%. We're all human. Like the, the, it's, it's, it's just a, a, a fact. And so I don't know. I commend you on saying that. We can edit it out. That's completely joking. up to you. No. You're like, shit, he just brought that up. No, I want to say that. But, you know, I... I'm just so lucky. There's, I, I feel I left out so many key people in my life that has helped me because it, it was, I have it easy with the support system, but I feel like I've kind of created that finding. It's weird when you're on drugs, like the people you surround yourself with. And then when you get sober, yeah. like if you like hang out with good people, <laughs> just how, you know, Russ, yeah. there's so many, but Russ, my friend who's here that can't yeah. talk because he doesn't have a mic. Yeah. But, um, he's a huge part of my life, dude. Like yeah. he's, he's the kind of guy, he's in a wheelchair, but when I was in rehab going down there crying, he'd call me every day. How are you doing? Never bitched about his situation yeah. ever. You know, we have a podcast together and, uh, he helps That's me right. out every day and you're here, Russ. Like I talk to, I love you, man. Like he just, helped. there's just a lot of key people that help me get to where I'm at, you know? And it's just, I feel if you're a good person and you're, you give back and you, you're honest, like good things always happen. I just think it's really cool to just be a fucking good person now and just help out the others, dude. And like with my fucked up story, if I can help one dude out there, it, it was all worth it, you know? A hundred percent. And I know man. it's already happened. So I'm just going to continue. Some people out there think my story, if I'm a fucking dirtbag, but I know I'm trying to do the next best thing. I'm trying to realize who I am, trying to fix my issues and just trying to be a good person to give back. And that's spread the love. That's it. What about your uh, relationship with your pops? Amazing. You know, it's uh after 2012 when i got out of rehab uh you know he's a fucking vietnam vet first marine he was a cop he's like a fucking hero legend 
he got cancer and he, you know, he's divorced. So he lives by himself and he had stage four cancer. And that was right after, you know, like fuck four years after I got a rehab. So I was sober. It was, uh, it was hard. I'd have to go over there. He had cancer in his throat and he couldn't eat. He had like a tube in his stomach and I, I'd have to go over there four times a day and at night to go feed him. When my dad was like crying, saying he wants to die. He doesn't want to live after seeing your dad how like he's just super yeah. human you know like it, that was the hardest thing for me ever and then he had a fire extinguisher business for 30 years he started and it's one of those jobs like you have to keep that you got to keep it moving you know and so i didn't know what to do i had to go get licensed so i kept that business alive when he was going through his shit wow. he barely made it he's doing really good now but um i took over that business and it was like he was always going to give it to me when I was ready, but it was just crazy how I did when he was like almost going to die. That's what I do. That's like what I do nine to five today. Is I, I service that. fire extinguishers, family business. I love it more than anything. You know, it gives me uh, it's my own business, so I could do kind of work when I want, how hard I want. If I ride Friday, I'll work a little bit more. So it's cool. So yeah, that's what I do full time. Riding's more for fun, even though like the riding's really picking up now and everything I do. But yeah, doing that and it makes me so proud that I'm able to like build my dad's company and he gave it to me and like keep it in the family like when he's gone one day i take a lot of pride in it you know so it's cool but yeah me and my dad talk every day my family my my mom my sister i'm just i'm very blessed and i have very amazing people in my corner and i feel like i'm the luckiest man in the world <laughs> might go to jail next month but i'll still be <laughs> what i feel but it's fine dude you know like all this shit i'm going through a divorce right now i'm selling my my dream home and i it's all good that down the road i'll look back and be like dude that was the best thing that's ever happened to me yeah i get times quick you know so it's all perspective life is all perspective you can look at certain situations one way be totally fine or look at it the way it looks like and be yeah. fucking ruin you so a hundred percent life dude. is good man damn dude you know I, I i think that it's something that both of you guys have it's just like really good perspective it could be the shittiest darkest situation in both of your guys lives but your perspective on it um and ability to push forward like for me like shit do when shit gets dark shit gets real fucking dark and yeah. i can't let go and then you know sometimes it's just it's it's hard and and maybe hindsight you know for me is i do work through it and then figure it out but uh, i don't know you guys have this just bright just just this bright ability about you guys and i commend that um so what's next man what, what's the next 5 10 15 20 years for you um just keep on doing what i'm doing i'm actually uh me and stephanie yeah we're kind of teaming up but we're trying to do like a long distance jump she wants to do this uh long distance record for chicks i want to i've always wanted to jump 300 feet jesus so i'm trying right now in the process so of far. getting a it, it is far but when it just looks far, but when you're on a bike and you start like a hundred feet and you go bigger and bigger and you go as fast as the bike will go, like when you ride, when you do something for so long, I love going big. It, it's not that big. I've never jumped 300 feet. The Maybe fuck are you talking about? 200 feet is huge. A hundred feet is huge, bro. It is, but In when retrospect. but it's going to be sick. So that's like my next goal. I think that'd be cool. I'm old now, dude. 38. You so are. just pretty much still being in the mix because from the original dudes, I'm like one of the last dudes still riding, you know, like Twitch is of course killing it yeah. Deegan, but not a whole lot of other guys from our generation are still doing i feel like i said i've never felt better i feel so healthy i feel so great so i'm just gonna keep it going um do the fire extinguishers every day i'm just gonna live in life man living Dude. life doing new races i think me and stephanie she's 
get me to do a supermoto race, which I've never even thought about doing, but I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. It's sick. What does that even mean? What's a supermoto? Supermoto is it's a motorcycle dirt bike yeah. with street bike tires on it. And you're on a road, you're on a road uh track like for street bikes and then it like goes over to a dirt bike track, a little bit of both. Supermoto. So it's, it's kind of like a mix. It's a mix. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's pretty cool. I've never done it, but let's do it. And and Wait, wait. Don't so ask it, me how you do it. I have no <laughs> idea. Like, I just, I've been a fan. I have no idea. Okay. I want to ask you one. How does one jump 300 feet? I I don't know. I haven't done it yet. But <laughs> what's <laughs> like, the like? I jumped like 200 and I think uh, like 55, 260 feet. But it was off a jump where like I, it didn't even feel big at the time. That one. And that was a very long time ago. So, yeah, I know I got it. It's uh, it's cool. It feels like you're flying. Has anyone jumped 300 feet? Oh, dude, there's a guy right now. This is how big the sport has elevated. Guy just jumped 420 feet. <laughs> Me and Seth kind of had the record at like what? 200 and like 20 back in 2001. We had like the longest jump. Yeah, guys are going for it. Yeah, dude, 300. That's just a big. That's pinnacle, big. you know, just to say you popped that one off. So that that would be a cool deal. And like how the ramp is set up and the landing is so big. It's just all about like physics and how fast you can go. The only thing you don't want it to happen because it would be a certain death is it don't come up short. Other than that, yeah, you're good. that's it, right? But even like all the jumps I've done, like I've done a lot of huge jumps, like jumped over that that famous train jump. You just got to go for it. How do you how do you determine like how fast like because it's like, just all like just riding being like just a pro just figuring out like i can look at certain lips look at certain gaps and like you just know okay about fourth gear click you know like it's weird it's just do you it think about it beforehand or you just second nature no the big jumps a little bit more second nature i mean i uh, think about calculating like before you're like okay i got yeah. this, this and this. even now it's not how it was like i feel a lot of my stuff it's all calculated risk you know like back in the day i would just go for shit but now i know i have a normal job yeah but i still go for it no matter what but it's a little bit more calculated so like this 300 foot jump i'm not just gonna go out there and set it 300 feet and like fuck it let's go for it yeah. in the past maybe you know yeah, that's so great scoot it back but yeah it's cool i mean and who knows maybe it won't happen but that is the goal we have a ramp being made and uh maybe i'll get to 280 whatever it's just some just pushing it just showing motherfuckers I'll go to rehab burnt and get sober and like, I'll, I'll come back stronger, dude. You know, like it's just amazing what yeah. recovery and sobriety, like it's just, I fucking love it, dude. It's yeah. cool. So yeah, I mean, I get a lot of people that reach out to me. Um, they can just hit me up. I got a lot of good rehabs that I can steer them in the right direction. How can people find you if they want to find your shit? Dog? Pretty much everything is uh, my Instagram. It's, Colin C O L I N underscore scummy underscore Morrison. It's a very long Instagram it's name. It's weird. I know. I wish yep. I would have shortened well, that. I can't just do scummy. I'm sure it's already taken. <laughs> well, I kind of wanted to kind of ditch a scummy name, <laughs> you know, but that's already on there. I'm cool just Colin Morrison, but scummy's in there. All right. All right. right. <laughs> Say that again, though. Colin underscore Under, scummy underscore Morrison. Yeah. All right. All right. So, yeah. And what about the podcast? Podcast is talking sobriety, but it's, uh, I've, I used to do it like every week, like very yeah. structured, but after this time I'm, I'm doing me right now. Good. You know, me and Russ have, uh, we have a guest coming on next week, but it's really, it's, uh, it, when it comes around, it comes around. I love that. I'm doing me. I'm like almost done with my step nine and that's a big one to make my amends to everybody. I feel like I have to do it like that. I mean, what I just said about not being sober yeah. for seven years, that's like, I'm going to do that same story kind of a little short on my Instagram to like. Be open because nobody really knows that, dude. Wait a minute, seriously? 
Oh, you weren't joking when you said there wasn't many people no there. like only some like close <laughs> and i, I see i, oh, I knew shit, i was coming crazy. on this but i knew like i'm almost done with my step nine and that was a big one of them is keeping that secret and people have to understand it wasn't like it was just like everything i talked about ego thing like not i didn't have anybody to reach out to it was very complicated but i'm gonna like be open and tell people that and that's yeah. a big deal dude like show people look at this you want to hear something crazy but i'd rather be open about it let it go people can judge me talk shit but i know what i'm doing now and it is what it is so so yeah i'm just doing me right now and living life to the fullest and i love it dude i um I can't thank you enough for coming on here, man. It really means the world to me. Uh, there aren't too many times when I do a podcast where I don't talk a lot, and I probably talked maybe 10 minutes this entire, <laughs> what, two-hour podcast, dude. I have a problem no. with that, dude. No, dude, it's <laughs> no, just, our podcast, I always talk over us. Yeah, I, no, you weren't talking over me. I mean, even with your podcast, like, it's just few and far between, though. It's, like, ones that make me step back and go, holy shit, dude, like, I get it. And there's a lot of things that you said that are relatable too. And you just got some dope ass fucking stories, dude. And you've made it, dude. And you're like, you're, you're doing it and you're happy and you're proud. And it's like, I, 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 I commend that, man. I commend that. So, um, and it's just cool. Cause like we were talking about you coming on, you know, back in, I don't know, November, December, whenever you were, you know, in rehab and you came out and you know now you have in here and having you here and and doing the podcast now as we're wrapping it up i don't know it's just like time goes by quick dude but like i i i appreciate you sticking to your word yeah like, man you didn't know me from shit dude i don't even i don't even know how the fuck we even did i just reach out to you or something like that or i think you did it's weird you can gauge people you're a good dude man even hanging out with you last time i, I love what you're about what this podcast is about i feel comfortable it's cool dude i love what you're doing the thank people you. you have on just a lot of respect for you so yeah i was happy to do this man thank you man thank but you. i do know uh, my step five i do talk over a lot of people maybe, <laughs> maybe i did talk too much but i'm still working on me so <laughs> this is part of my problem you guys Fuck. all right all right all right all right colin scummy is it morris morrison 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 yeah morrison all right colin scummy morrison you know this entire time i've gotten like the worst fucking charlie horses in my <laughs> legs just randomly <laughs> my fucking <laughs> i'm getting old and dying shoot me all right man thank you so much and i'll spill water on your things thank you better guys that was a great outro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wowzers, thank you so much for listening to Back to Your Story. And I want to thank Colin for coming on to share his amazing story. If you guys like this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with a friend or family member. Also, don't forget to text me, text me, text me, 661 276-8043. I'm going to send you guys something really cool. You guys will get access to episodes before they come out. Just a whole bunch of cool stuff. And as always, if you want to watch this, head over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com backslash back to your story. Have a good night, people. Smooches. Smooches.